You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 249 of The Big Show. Some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing up there? We're almost there, folks. Hump Day Wednesday. Yeah, rolling in. Well, long weekend coming up. Um, How's everybody doing? Thank you very much for tuning in. Got a special guest. Returning guest. Uh, Yes, my my friend and yours. Kevin Lozito. Joel, Joel Lazito is back, and with a new uh, project, uh, he is starting up a Quebec Nordiques podcast, so I wanted to have him on the show, and uh, and we talk about that, and then we also talk about uh, who we think are the five toughest, or, well, I guess it's Joe, who who has, bleh, take two, easy for you to say, <laughs> Joe's top five Quebec Nordique fighters of all time, and we just discussed that, and um, yeah, it's always fun. I, I wouldn't, I recorded it Friday. I think I recorded this with Joe. I don't know. Look at, look at me ahead of the game. Holy. Um, but, uh, and we went long. No kidding. We went long. Yeah. Shocking. So this, this intro is not going to go long though. Um, yeah, to be completely honest, uh, I'm recording this Tuesday night, the intro, and, uh, I still have to do the graphics for the episode and, uh, yeah, and I mean it's it's like nine o'clock and I'm tired and uh, I'm I'm not really uh, in the mood to be doing this right now. Um, so I will not rant and rave about social media. I will save that for Sunday's episode. Oh, the heat's coming on Sunday. Oh, from the athletic writer, the athletic. Yeah, written by the unathletic, read by the never athletic. Yeah, um, that's you know. But what do you expect when you're selling subscriptions for a dollar? Um, you know, that, that's about as much as the, uh, you, you know, the athletics, you know, writing for the athletics, kind of like, you know, saying you're a journalist for the, uh, for, uh, coffee perks, you know, the little newsletter they hand out at the, uh, at the coffee shops in town, um, at the Robin's Donuts. But, uh, 
Anyway, I, I will rant and rave about that on Sunday as I do. Um, as I said, this two, episode 249, I hope you go back and check out the back catalog. Um, if you're first time listening to this show, welcome. Thank you. Um, we do two shows a week, Wednesday and Sunday. Um, uh, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented, so whatever team you're a fan of, there is a podcast for you. And, of course, with the regular season right around the corner, uh, things at the network are flying here hot and heavy. All the network, all the shows are, are, are bumping out uh, content. So here we go, another season. Um, also, Alec, Olin Salem over at the Five for Fighting podcast. Yeah, out there in North Carolina. Uh, he is, uh, well, I know he's been a busy cat. <clears throat> and, of course, with the whole uh, Florida hurricane thing and everything, um, you know, I know he has family members there, so I hope they're all doing well um, and they're safe. Um, so I know, obviously, podcasting is taking a back seat between work and all that. So, um, but uh, his latest episode... I basically just talks about the preseason and uh, hockey fan idiocy, which I can completely relate to. So, but uh, Alec has a actually, if you're on YouTube, um, Five for Fighting YouTube channel, check it out. He's got all the he started uploading all the East Coast League fights from last year, and uh, or last year he was uploading all the fights, and I'm assuming he's going to do that again this year. And the East Coast League's pretty stacked up league actually in terms of fighting, and. Uh, it looks interesting again this year, so definitely subscribe to his channel. We're trying to get Alec to a thousand subscribers, so if you could hit the subscribe button, that would be great. I know it's not a, a big deal to some of you guys, but uh, it's a big deal to the creators. So if you could do that, that would be awesome. And while you're there, bounce on over to the Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. I have over 2,500 fight videos. All the leagues are represented, so whatever league you're looking for, type it in and boom, up it'll come. So... But, uh, yeah, guys, other than that, I'm not going to talk long today. Let's get into talking with Joe and the Quebec Nordiques. And, uh, oh, and if you happen to be on social media, I don't know why you would do that to yourself. But if you are, um, check out not only the Five for Fighting uh, Twitter and Facebook page, but, um, yeah, the Fourth Line Voice. Uh, my Twitter as well as my Facebook page, Fourth Line Voice as well. And uh, always, I'm always putting up pictures and videos and all that sort of nonsense so yes definitely uh, bounce on over give it a look and if you have any questions or comments and you're on like send me a private message through social media if you're not on social media you're smarter than the rest of us uh, congratulations uh <laughs> wish i had thought of that um but uh if you're not uh just send me an email hockey fights at hotmail that's right i still have a hotmail account what's hockey fights i mean that's like the perfect email address right Hockeyfights at hotmail.com. Send me a message, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, if you have a suggestion, um, anything. If you have some cool pictures, send them on over. Yeah, I'm all, like I said, I'm, I'm always uh, always down to talk to fellow fight fans. So, yeah, love to hear from you. But uh, otherwise, otherwise than that, folks, let's get into this. This is my, conver- this is my fun conversation I had with Joe, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, yeah. Oh, it, I guess I haven't really said this for a while, but uh, whatever platform you're listening to this show on, one, could you download it, please? I get paid by the download, so you'd be helping Darren out if you did that. Please don't stream. Um, da- any podcast that you're listening to, uh, I'm a little PSA, any podcast that you're listening to, because I'm sure you guys listen to other podcasts, whether it be something about gambling or fantasy sports or 
Civil War, whatever you're listening to, if you could download it, that helps the creator. Uh, not only if they're getting paid, they'll be getting paid by the download, but it also helps them just track with analytics and stuff. So please download your podcast. There, there's my PSA. Uh, and get your, and get your pet spayed and neutered. Isn't that what Bob Barker used to say all the time? Um, <laughs> but, uh, other than that, if you could do that. And also, um, if you could rate and review my show. Um, that would be greatly appreciated because it helps me in the searches, you know, when you, somebody listens to a show and then it says others related content or so other shows you might be interested in, that's all based on ratings. So if I could get a few of those, that would help me out, help old Darren out here. It would be greatly appreciated. <laughs> all right, folks. But like, like I always say though, in all seriousness though, I know there's plenty of podcasts out there. Everyone and their dog seems to have a podcast these days. And the fact that you chose the Fourth Line Voice podcast to listen to, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. And I hope you stick around. And like I said, I hope you check out the back catalog. But uh, in the meantime, let's get to Joe. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you guys on Sunday. Thanks. All right, here on the Fourth Line Voice, we've got a returning guest. After his, uh, his, uh, his last uh, appearance... <laughs> I wanted to re. I'm going to re. I want to rematch. Here we go, <laughs> Jolt and Joel Lazito. We're going to give her the Lazito tonight. What's happening? Well, I I definitely need to redeem myself after that one. And listen, I you know what I I, I actually want to say, I love I love that idea. I love. I think you should do more of that because uh, I was I was caught off guard. But that's what you wanted. That was the goal. And and uh, even though I I made a fool of myself. Uh, I, I like that. I think you should go with that a little bit more. But I definitely, hopefully, I could redeem myself tonight after that uh, embarrassing performance last episode. Well, that episode was a great idea, except you know how much dead air that episode had? Oh. I said, between you and uh, Searson, who couldn't answer the friggin' question either, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I thought you hung up on me a few times. I'm like, are you still there? <laughs> like, uh, you know. Thank I, you God just, for William. You just didn't want to look bad in front of your Islander buddies. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I, it's not even that there's some credence to that. I, I, I listen. I, I've made no bones about the fact that um, you know I, I don't think I'm a homer in the homer sense of the word, but uh, you know, for someone like myself, it, it probably it, you know I, I look at things. I try to be positive, so I try even if it's someone that we're talking about that I don't know um, during their time here. I always try to look at the positive. So. Um, you know, that's why when you say like disappointing, I couldn't think of anyone, but then when you brought up, you know, talk about Ojik being, I said Ojik was injured and you're like, well, that's disappointing. And yeah, that's true. You know, so, um, it wasn't necessarily that I didn't want to look bad in front of them. I just think when they get here, I'm just happy that they're here and I try to take all the positives out of it that I can get. Fucking look at that. I'm telling you, that's a host right there, folks. Teflon. <laughs> It just slides right out of it. Look at that's an old veteran move right there. Said right? Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Speaking of veteran moves, um, you know, we're talking. You know, most people, listeners out there, when they hear Joe Lazito, of course, he had the Coliseum Chronicles Islander podcast, and they're like, "Yeah, he's the Islander guy." Well, you're still the Islander guy, but you've you have you're another guy now. You're a Quebec Nordique guy now. We. Oh, yeah, exactly. We and uh, every, yeah, exactly. There must be a mouse in your pocket. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, but folks, Joe is coming back with uh, with a new podcast. 
So I'm going to shut up here, and I'll let you explain why, what it is, and uh, what are we going to do about it. Well, first of all, as far as Chronicles went, um, I love doing that. And uh, I guess the unfortunate part, the unfortunate reality part, but the fortunate part as it was happening was it was kind of born during COVID when uh, I was furloughed, I wasn't working, and pretty much everyone else uh, was off from work too. So it was kind of easy to just... Uh, you know, phone a guy up or send him a message and say, hey, you know, can you, you want to be on my show and, you know, can we do it next Friday? And pretty much I had all the free time in the world and they had all the free time in the world. So you kind of get spoiled a little bit. Uh, then everything kind of gets back to, well, whatever normal is now. And, you know, I'm back to work and people are back to work. And, um, you know, one of the, I'll give you an example. One of the last guests I was going to have on uh, was Ross Olson. And, um, you know, he played a few games at Bridgeport last year, uh, mostly uh, in Worcester. And Ross is a great kid. And it was, you know, he's he's making that ECHL salary. So when the season's over, he's doing camps and things like that. And it was, we were in constant communication. So it wasn't a question of being ghosted like I had been by so many other guys. Uh, it was just that his schedule and my schedule could not match up. So it got to that point where it was a little frustrating for me and uh, it had happened once too often and I just said, uh, you know what, maybe this show has run its course. Uh, so it's not it's not put to bed. Um, I've said there's still a bunch of guys, like I think in my, my all-time top 10, I think I interviewed two. So there's still plenty of guys I'd love to interview or if anybody affiliated with the organization ever reached out to me and said, hey, I'd love to be on your show, of course I would revive it. So it's not necessarily put to bed, but uh, it's kind of put to bed until something like that happens. And um, and I love doing it. I, you know, you and I have spoken, and I know I've heard Alec talk about it, and it, it's fun. When things go well and everything lines up right, uh, doing a podcast is a lot of fun, and especially talking to the guys that we talk to, they're really personable. And um, you know, like you, you know, you know a lot of these guys off the ice. I know a lot of these guys off the ice, and a lot of the stories we know, but a lot of the stories we don't. And we get the opportunity to to bring it to a wider audience. So I love doing the show. I love doing the podcast. And but again, I I think you know you and Alec kind of have it covered where you just will interview. There's no parameters for your show aside from them being enforcers. And what the world doesn't need is a third show like that. And you guys have that covered, and you both do great jobs. Um, I kind of liked having I kind of liked having the parameter of the Islander uh, thing. And um, going forward with the Nordiques now, the Nordiques were always my number two team. They were always my second favorite team. And I guess doing this now, it's it's similar in the fact that um, obviously anyone that had played for the Nordiques and has done the job, I would love to interview them. Um, but I guess there's a little caveat because, like for us, like we're old enough to remember when their uh, farm team was in Fredericton. But when they were in Fredericton, there was a split affiliation with uh, Vancouver and Quebec. So obviously, if a guy played for uh, Fredericton Express, but he was Vancouver property. Well, I'm not going to interview him. Um, and likewise, once once um, they moved to Colorado, well, to me, that's kind of off limits. That's not Quebec. Uh, so I think the last year, that the first year they were in Colorado was the last year in Cornwall. So like anyone that played for that last year, Corn- and I, I, like I'm just making up these parameters for myself. I mean, you know, it is what it is. I guess I, I kind of need that law and order type thing, but 
I, I've always liked the Nordiques number two and, um, they always had, you know, like we know they had those, uh, amazing training camps and, and things like that. And they've always had tough players and, um, they've always, you know, over the years, I got to know a few of the guys on that team and, um, those guys have done interviews on other shows and, um, you know, like I said, I don't think I'm good at a lot of things. I do think that I'm good at this and, you know, having the opportunity to maybe bring some of the stories to a wider audience, stories that I know that uh, are safe to to put out there. I just think it would be fun. They, they have some, some guys that I think could make some really good interviews. And um, I guess the other thing is they, they came to the NHL in 79, they left in 95. So there's actually a finite number of guests there was a finite number of guests with the Islanders, but you have 50 years there, and it would have taken me two lifetimes to get everybody on the show. With Quebec, you're you're talking about maybe a 15, 16 year window. So there's a finite number of guests. When the time comes that I'm done, then I'm done because I don't like I said we don't need a third show. So um, so I'll do this, and we'll see what happens. And um, the difference between this show and the last show is when I did the last show, I wanted to interview everybody, everybody that played for Springfield, everybody that played for Bridgeport and the Islanders and Utah and Denver, uh, Salt Lake City. I wanted to interview all those guys. And when I when I didn't, it was disappointing to me. Uh, with this one, I, obviously, I'm, uh, it'll be, I want to interview as many guys as possible, but I'm not chasing anybody. I'm not chasing someone. If it's a case where, you know, I'm getting the runaround. I'll just forget about it, and it's fine. So, uh, you know, you live and you learn. But I'm really excited to do this. I got uh, my first four guests have been confirmed, and uh, I have confidence that all four of these guys will come through. It's just a question of getting our work schedules up. But uh, I'm pretty excited, and I, and I think the uh, the folks out there will like it. No, absolutely. No, it, I'm glad. I'm glad you're back. Um, uh... I, I I knew you were coming back. I knew it. But I never said I was gone for good, though. No, but, you know, I I remember telling you in text messages, you're not going anywhere. You'll be back. You like talking too much. That, well, that's true, but here's the thing. When I'm done with this, I'm done. Because then, then like I said, there's no reason for to bring a third show into the mix. What, me, you, and Alec are going to be like, uh, you know, one potato, two potato, or who's going to get this guy? It's just better that way. So um, I never but, said but I was. You, but do you think it would be like that, though? Like, I don't know. I don't, like, I, I think because all three of us, well, you and I are more similar than we are to Alec, but it's like yeah. um, we each look at things differently, though. And it's we grew up in different areas of the country. And it's, and it, you know, I don't know. I, th- I think, especially you with all the magazine stuff you used to do and shit like that with Fischler and stuff, like you would have a very unique. I mean, I'm sure you have, I mean, obviously you have 10 million stories that you've never told me, and I know a bunch about you already. Um, I, I don't know. I think that would have been, you could do a very interesting podcast if you left it open. open. Um, I, you know what? You, you might be right, and you're not the only one who said that. I guess maybe because I like what you do and I like what Alec does. I don't think there's a need for it, but... Yeah. I, to, to be honest with you, if I did open it up, let's say I'm, I run through I run through this organization now, and then I say, well, you know, maybe I'll try to get this guy. I'll start another show. 
I'll try to get this guy. We always got along well. I'll try to get that guy. You know what? Probably after maybe 10 guys, I'm just not going to have the desire. Like, look at Alec now. So Alex carved himself out a nice little niche with the East Coast League stuff. I think that's phenomenal. And he's he's introduced me to so many players down there that I would never know anything about. Um, And maybe it's his age. You know, he's got the fire in the belly, whatever. But, like, for me, if it wasn't certain players down there, I, I, I wouldn't even know where to start, you know. So that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I think it would be – it would definitely be something short-term. Like I'm just trying to – while we're talking, I'm just trying to run through the decks in my head. You know, it, it, I mean, for me, most of the guys, you know, I, I have met a lot of guys. But, you know, you've covered a lot of them. I've covered a lot of them, you know, and – I, that's what I'm saying. It could be cool, but it would probably be sporadic. And at that point, you know, maybe what's the point? But you know what? Never say never. But I, I think, I think when this when this uh, Quebec show has has reached its end, it probably will be it. But yeah, I mean, I know you've said it a bunch of times, but it, you're you're dead set on you would not do a solo show. I hate it. You know, it's funny because you, I, I like your your Sunday shows. I love. Them. I do, and I look forward to them every Sunday. I wake up, and I know if I'm driving to the train station and I got to work that day, I'm listening to it Sunday. Like when you always say you're probably, you know, maybe you're listening to this on Monday. I'm listening to it on Sunday, and I find it very entertaining. And, uh, you know, when I did the solo stuff, when if I do solo stuff where I'm just kind of riffing, I always get people going, oh, hey, oh, hey, that was really funny or whatever it was, and that's fine. And I appreciate those comments. The solo stuff where I did like the seasons and like the top 10 stuff, those are just so time consuming. And what happens is after I'm about a third of the way through, I'm just like, it just kind of gets tedious. And at, with the, with the interviews, it's the, the Chronicles was always supposed to be just an interview show. Um, and when I had to do some solo episodes, it kind of brought me down a little bit because, um, and I don't know, maybe if you feel this way about yourself when you do solo stuff or Alec, um, like to me, I'm just a guy, like I'm a guy in my basement, I'm a fight fan. And it's like, well, why would you listen to me? No, I understand like what you said with the stuff that I've done and everything, but I'm just like, I, I don't know. Like when I, when I interview someone, you're tuning in, like you always say, you're not tuning in to listen to me. And when I interview someone, I know the people are tuning in to, to listen to them as they should be. I, I don't, I just feel like the solo episodes, as much as, you know, feedback, I always get a lot of positive feedback. This is not happening with this show. It's just not happening. So the first episode was kind of an introductory episode. There won't be any other solo episodes. It's just not going to happen. Now, fortunately, with a couple of the guests that I have, you know, like I said, I got four, uh, the f- first four guests confirmed. I know for a fact that one, if I get the time, the, at least two of those guests are going to be like super multiple episodes that I know for sure. Um, so that's going to cover me for a while. And the good thing is while I'm putting out and I'm not going to do like, if, let's say for argument's sake, guest number one, I end up doing eight hours with, it's going to be four, two hour episodes. I'm not going to do like a four hour and a four hour, but while I'm putting those out weekly or bi-weekly, whatever, I'm going to be, you know, working the phones, trying to get more guests on. So it kind of buys me some time where I won't have to do solo episodes. But if I'm ever at the point where I'm, I'm doing solo episodes for this one, 
that's it. I'm hanging it up because as much as I enjoy listening to you on Sunday or when Alec does solo episodes, I loathe doing them myself. Yeah. I think, yeah, like the solo episodes for a while, um, I, I just kind of used for filler and, uh, and I, and I didn't mind it because I knew it wasn't going to be, um, or at least I didn't think it was going to be like a permanent, you know, I, cause it's Mm. funny when you first start, right. You, I guess you naively think, oh yeah, I'll have an interview every Wednesday. It'll be good. Mm. It's just like, you know, and then you start quickly realizing, oh shit, this isn't going to happen. Right. So, and then it was just like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll just do a solo episode for now because a guest ghosted me. Ah, shit. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'll just talk about well the top five flyers or what you know whatever. I'll find something real quick on the internet here, and then I'll rant about something that happened at Subway. You know, whatever. And then it just turned out that yeah, all of a sudden you start getting feedback that people like that, mm-hmm. right? And it was just like, oh, okay. Well, then, I mean, if it's just sitting me talking fuck, I could do this all day, <laughs> you know, I could do this, I could do four shows a week if that's what it was, you know, if, if, but I'm like, it just, it was sort of born out of uh, almost necessity, really, if I was going to do that many shows, but it just seemed like people enjoyed it, I don't know why, but I was like, really, you want to hear about that, okay, you know, <laughs> and it's like, and then, and now I've done it so many times now, now I have kind of this formula of what I'm going to do, right? And I'll, like I said, I write shit down in the truck all every day, and you know, and I'm like, okay, I got bullet points. I got to talk about this, this, and this. Sometimes, obviously, like anything, some episodes work better than others, but um, and some things hit and some things don't. But uh, yeah, for the most part, I don't know. I think I just well, ask anybody that lives with me. I probably talk too much, so, but. Yeah, but going back to like, yeah, I know you don't like the solo stuff. I always liked your solo stuff, actually. But it was, well, uh, but I get it. But um, it is hard, though. It's hard. I, I, there's a lot of times that I wish um, um, I had somebody to play off of. Yeah. And that sometimes it's like, yeah, I really wish, because I've had offers from people to become like part co-hosts. And it's like, yeah, this that... In that sense, solo episodes, would, well, they wouldn't be solo episodes anymore. They would just be episodes. Would be easier to do if I had someone there. But at yeah. the same time, it's like, uh, you know, you're again still working with someone else's schedule, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I guess I, I'm I'm going around and around. But it's like, it'd be interesting. You wouldn't have any interest in that, like a co-host show? Um, <clears throat> well... Well, first of all, if you were ever going to do a co-host show, I mean, obviously, I would love to do it with you, but I, I texted this to you. You and uh, Harper there, you guys have a, a tremendous chemistry. Like, if you guys did a, a co-host situation, that would be amazing. Um, yes and no. I, I guess it would depend on the co-host. Um, because, for instance, it would have – I'm so, when it comes to this stuff, I, I make no bones about it. I'm sort of a control freak. Unless I'm in, unless I'm in a situation where I trust the co-host, um, n- doesn't even have to agree with me, but maybe can knows as much as I do, or or is as passionate enough as I as I am, then that's okay. Because this, it, to be honest with you, if you disagree, it actually would make a better show. Yeah. Um, instead of going, hey, yeah, I agree with you, but um, I mean, listen, like I said, if if, if uh, I've never been approached about that, so. Uh, 
it's it's not something I would uh, if it's something where someone it's someone else's show and it's like so, such and such show with me okay well then I'm sort of like the the second banana and I have no problem with that I'm the second banana on someone else's show um, so I don't necessarily have have an issue with that I think it would be difficult for me to start a show fresh with a co-host unless it's something that um, you know, we kind of, we kind of, uh, it was born together through our own minds, but, um, you know, like I'm not against that, but, uh, well, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of like, um, you know, for you, like you have to put out two episodes in a, in a week. Now, if I had, if I had a, a, um, a network and they wanted two shows a week for me, I would, I would have to do a solo episode because, um, you know, it's, imp- it's impossible as we both know, as Alec knows, as anyone who's a non-player that hosts a show, it's impossible to get two guests a week. It's virtually impossible unless you have, unless you're self-made and you don't need to work or anything like that. Um, It's very difficult. So if I had it, if I had a deal like yours, I would have to do a solo episode, but then like, again, this is what I was talking about before. Like, my, our, our thought process is very similar and we're, we're in the same generation. So like, let's just say you're doing a solo episode of the shit. Like you're doing a solo episode on preseason hockey. Now I'm going to do a solo episode on preseason hockey because that's just what happened this week. It's like you say, it's going to be like chewing your food twice. I'll yeah. probably, you'll probably make more sense. I'll probably curse more, but other than that, it's going to be very similar. So, um, but I, I don't close the door on anything. You know, I, I, like I said, for me to do another interview based show for me, this will probably be it. But anything other than that, if it's just a bullshit show where it's going to be me and someone else going back and forth on whatever topics, that's easy enough. I could do that. No problem. So never say never. We'll see how it goes. But, uh, you know, um, I hope that this, I hope that this new podcast has a long, a long life and, no, we'll just see what happens. You know, I live, you know, I, t- I live my life day by day. So that's how I take, uh, that's how I take the podcast too, just day by day. Yeah. Well, so. well, folks, I will say this. And for anybody listening, for the newer listeners out there that I've, that I've, uh, gotten recently. Um, in fact, if you want to know more about Joe Lazito's story and the magazines, and working for Stan Fischler and the books and the shit that he used to take on the old message boards from people for his rankings. And then, of course, his uh, Subway Adventures. I yep. interviewed Joe way back when on my show. I don't know. It's I think, geez, it's single-digit episodes. I think, I think well, I don't know what episode this is, 249 or something like that. I think it was about episode 10. I think I had, I had Joe on way back. So... Um, yeah, if you want to, that's actually a really fun episode. You can hear all about working at Fleer hockey cards and all that stuff. So we had a lot of fun with that. So, uh, definitely check that out in the old back catalog, as they say. Um, well, so today folks, the reason I had Joe on, not only did I want to talk about his, his Nordique show, but since he's, I see, I already knew the answer to, he wasn't going to do any solo episodes and stuff. So <laughs> that's why I'm going to have him on. Cause we're going to talk about Joe Lazito's. Five toughest Quebec Nordique players. See, because obviously he's not doing solo episodes, so this topic's never going to come up unless <laughs> unless you have him on your show. So there we go. So that's what we're going to do. And, well, who uh, is it that who is it that hates the lists? Oh, he doesn't hate the lists. It's like he loves the list. Tim, Tim got oh, Tim. List. Oh yeah, yeah, Tim. That's right. Hey, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you like this one. List guy Tim. He loves the yep. lists. 
Yeah, okay. no, it's when I don't have a list. I, you know how many you know, half listened to episodes Tim has on my, he, <laughs> and then as soon as he finds out I'm not having a list, he that yeah, the download doesn't finish. I only get paid half the amount when I don't have a list when Tim's listening. But uh, but as yeah. somebody, I think Yuka pointed out, why don't you have Tim on to do a list? That would be perfect. I know he's his top ten favorite lists. Oh, see there, yeah, see, look at that. You just blew everyone's mind right there. Yep. Deep thoughts mm-hmm. with Joe Lazito. Yeah. That's, that's the only thoughts I have. What if CAT spelt dog? Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're that's what we're dealing with right now, folks. We're on that kind of plane tonight. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny you mentioned Harper, Harrison Harper. He, yeah. That he is a unique individual. He um he cracks me up actually. He's a young kid too, but it. Uh, I, I have I've had some very interesting conversations with him. That have nothing to do with hockey, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's in, he he. We look at the world. He looks at the world very unique. Um, for those I had Harrison on a while. He played a season in the Southern Pro League, and I had him on to talk about that shit show of a season and his call up to the East Coast mm-hmm. League and everything else. But Harrison also has a podcast called The Project, and I call it the Seinfeld of podcasts because it's not really about anything. It's just it. His ramblings and shit. So, but he's he's funny. He cracks me up. And I think a lot of times he's unintentionally funny, but he has a unique way of looking at the world that kind of cracks me up. But uh, but yeah, I did have a. Very, I I felt uh, yeah, I thought that that episode was really good. Actually, that that episode I had with him actually got a lot of good feedback. No, it was it was great. And you know what? Like I know you've said to me before with some of the guests that I've had on. Like you know that. Uh, that I have a friendship with them or I've had a lifelong relationship with them. And I, and I think that does come out because for whatever reason, yeah. maybe it's because I know them better than anyone else that's going to interview them or they they just trust me because they know I'm not going to screw them over. Um, that's the easy part because it's someone you know. And even though I'm sure you never met Harrison, you probably just know him through social media um, and the age difference, you know, you're from two different generations. But when I listened to that episode, I was like, wow, these guys are, are you know, uh, really, you're, you're, you can, like, even if you think of it hockey terms, like, you have Wayne Gretzky, the greatest player of all time, and you have Brett Hall, one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. And when they were in St. Louis together, they didn't necessarily mesh. Like, it wasn't like Hall and Oates or, you know, Gretzky and Curry. It didn't really, like, you would think you have Wayne Gretzky, Brett Hall. Now, obviously, they're still two all time greats, but I don't think it meshed like, like everyone had hoped in St. Louis. So sometimes even if you get like two world class of anything and you put them together, it doesn't necessarily make for anything great. So you get you, you're twice as old as Harrison, you know, you come from different places, uh, different life experiences. But yet when you guys are are chatting, it's really entertaining and it it, it has a flow to it. So, uh, no, I, I, you know, listen, I, I think you do a great job. I mean, to be honest with you, as far as this genre goes, you are the gold standard. And uh, but that thing with with that interview with Harrison was great. So, um, you know, if you were ever going to have anyone else on as a semi repeat guest, I would definitely say him. No, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've, we uh, we've already talked about. Yeah, I'm going to get him back on. Well, I got to come yeah. up with a topic, but we'll we'll get him back on once he moves back to Calgary here and he gets back out west here. We'll. Uh, and the times are similar. We'll uh, we'll straighten something out with them. But uh, yeah, yeah. well, and I always find it amusing just the young guys too, just their their view on things. And like I said, it, it's interesting with him, right? Being younger and being a pro player, it's like you know, 
you you really get a sort of interesting and and a, not just a pro player but sort of um one that does a lot of uh inter, like you know introspective kind of thing and mm-hmm. you know and uh and and has a way of looking back at things or or looking at the big picture and stuff like it's like a lot of guys most players just get they don't I don't think they as they to quote you know they don't stop and smell the roses they're just sort of in it, and then when it's over, it's over. They're not yep. really putting a lot of thought into, you know, whatever. But I think Harrison was one of those guys that could was kind of could realize what he was doing at the moment and could kind of take it all in from looking at it from an outside sort of perspective. So, um, which then offers a very unique perspective when you talk to him about it. But, uh, but anyway, besides yeah. all that, we'll we'll move on from that. But let's get on. Like Tim's just been, you know. <laughs> beating the dashboard here, like, get on with it already. So, um, I'm very curious about this because it's funny, uh, when I brought the topic up to you that I was going to have you on and we'll do the five toughest Nords and whatever, I kind of did the whole hockey DB, like, went and looked at the alumni and stuff. Son of a bitch, man. Nords had some dudes that could throw down. It, um... Yeah. But it, but it was interesting. It's like, um, when you look at their alumni, it was... I mean, how do you put it? It was like they never had like, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. They never had the champ, you know, so to speak or whatever. But they had a lot of just, uh, it was almost like they kind of had like the under radar, under the radar guys a little bit. And maybe it was because they were in Quebec at the time and, you know, in, you know, 90s, 80s, you know, there isn't the big center ice packages. So I think maybe some people, well, see it, well, some people down in the States, i.e. you. I'm surprised you're, you're a Nordiques fan. Mm-hmm. That surprises me. Like, why are you a Nordiques fan? Like, you're down well, in New York. What made you pick, of, of all things, the French team in Canada? I know. You know, you know what? Um, I would say probably, um, and and uh, you had mentioned this in the text yesterday, I mean, there's probably um, a handful of guys that are the reason why. And let's we'll start with the skill guys because the other guys are easy. I love the Stastny brothers. I, I really did. You know, I, I always found it cool that, um, you know, you had three brothers playing on a line. You know, like every, the Sutters are amazing, having six players, six brothers play in the NHL. But only two of them ever played on the same team. You know, like, you know, we had Brent and Dwayne here on the island, and you had Ron and Rich in Philly. Um, but they never had three in one in one spot. And... The Stastny's were always fascinating to me. I always found, like, Peter, I think, is one of the, he's one of the greatest players I've ever seen. And I think a lot of it had to do with the rookie season that he had. And I just, like, it was, it was just amazing. And then, you know, fast forward years later, um, I don't know what the show's called, but NHL Network did a bunch of documentaries. And they actually did a documentary on, uh, the Stastny brothers and their, their process of them defecting. And like we, we always equate toughness to the, the, the on the ice and the fighting and everything like that. Well, like what these guys went through, like especially, you know, especially Peter, um, defecting, that's real life. Like that's life or death. That's like government stuff, politics stuff. Like you can lose a fight on the ice and you can always go back for round two. Like this shit is real life tough. Like, you know, it's just, uh, I, like as much as I respected them, I, I, once I saw this program, I was like, wow, this is fucking crazy what these guys, you know, go through. So the Stastny's were a big part of it. Um, and and I won't say another one because he's he's on this list. Um, 
And I actually, why don't we segue into this? Because I'll, he's actually my first honorable mention. I have a couple. So what, what, for those of you that aren't old enough, when Darren mentioned about me getting shit on the fight boards for the Tough Guys magazines, um, I thought it was a pretty simple concept doing the top 25 NHL fighters. And my theory was always, well, number 25, I'm going to put something different. And, you know, one year, I, I think it was Gordy Dwyer and Kyle Friedrich, I made number 25. The one year that everything exploded was when I put Scott Parker at number 25. Now, you know, he hadn't played yet, right? And I'm going, no. well, this guy's, this guy, if he makes Colorado, is going to be a machine. So I'm like, oh, let me put Scott Parker there. So for this, I always try to be a little colorful. So with this, obviously, it's a top five, but I do have three honorable mentions. Um, well, just to cut you off, though, I was such a big Parker fan because, of course, we watched him here in junior. Yeah. So I knew all about him already. So mm-hmm. and I and every every year when the Tough Guy magazines came out, of course, we'd run to the stand, get the Tough Guy magazine, and you wanted to see who was in it. Well, the fact all of a sudden, I think he was on the cover too, and it's like uh, we see Parker in a Hershey uniform on the cover, and then he's in your rankings. Oh, we! I mean, I was loving it because I was a big Parker guy, right? I'm like, this is going to be awesome. Oh, the heat that Joe got on fried chicken. Oh, took the slings and arrows, let me tell you. But personally, I thought it was a it was great that you put Parker in there. You look at that. You were trolling before people even knew what trolling was. I guess. And you know what's funny? Like, yeah, Parker, uh, what, he, he might have been in the issue that McCarthy was on the cover. There was a little picture of Parker yeah, yeah. in the um, I think a lot of the anger was misplaced because, uh, you know, I think we were both friends with, with him. I don't know if he wants us to say his name on there, but, you know, per- Parker's billet, you know, I, I always got along with him fine. Um, but people, uh, he would always talk about Parker on the boards, and I think eventually people were just like, I don't know, they like, and he liked to fight with people too. So there was always like this this heat that Parker was getting, like, he, you know, he's the second coming. And I, I, you know, I got the tapes from him just like everyone else did. And I'm like, this guy's a fucking animal. And, you know, he had the look and he had the, the resume. And I'm like, well, so if I'm going to go through these tapes, I'm going to go through 20, 25 hours of fights from this past year. Yeah, I could come up with the guy I think is the 25th toughest guy in the NHL. Or I could talk about a guy who's probably going to be in the NHL this year and probably make make some sort of dent in the in literally and figuratively in the rankings. Let me put Scott Parker in there. And so I think a lot of the anger maybe was misplaced because people had already, uh, you know, they were all fired up. You know, there was always the message board hate, you know, and uh, which to me, like, like I used to say, you say it, it's stupid. How could you be a fight fan and not like Scott Parker? It's just ridiculous. So, Oh, um, yeah, the heat was definitely because of the poster. Yeah. yeah. Just like Manson and the poster. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. they, they, they kind of got the brunt of it, which I always found yeah. so ridiculous. Like, I mean, I get like I get why people would get irritated with the poster and whatever, but mm-hmm. whatever, to take your so-called anger out on Scott Parker because <laughs> you don't like yeah. some guy that lives in Kelowna. That talks about him too much on a message board. It's like really, right. like I don't know. I always found that kind of amusing. Yeah. But yeah, I always actually he was always all right with me. I mean, oh yeah, you know whatever. But but yeah, but I was I was loving the fact that uh, that uh, Parker was on there. But anyway, I yeah. said sideways. Let, let's get to your honorable mention here. Yes. So and also one of so one of the guys that I really really made me follow the Nordiques 
And uh, if any any of my Islander fan friends are listening to this, they're, maybe their jaws are going to drop. But Dale Hunter, um, Dale Hunter is an honorable mention. And again, Ooh. not because not because he's a good fighter, not because he's a good fighter. I mean, Dale Hunter is a shit disturber. Everybody knows what Dale Hunter is all about. Um, but Dale Hunter does lead the team. He's all time leader in fights. He's all time leader. Oh, and one thing, let, let's qualify this. This is strictly Nordiques NHL. There's just not enough out there to include the WHA. So when I say this guy's the all-time leader in fights, all-time leader in penalty minutes, that's strictly NHL, 79-80 to the end. I, 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 to do WHA would be very difficult. So, you know, Hunter is the he's the all-time leader in fights, all-time leader in penalty minutes. Um, see, I told you to do a little research. He, he led the team in fights for five years in a row, um, and he actually has the seventh most games played in the history of the franchise in the NHL. Listen, Dale Hunter, you know, I'm an Islanders fan. Obviously, after what he did to Turgeon, you know, that wasn't very cool. But at the time, when I'm growing up and I'm, you know, because back then when hockey was actually hockey, I'm watching all the games. Any team doesn't matter. I'm taping the games. I'm watching this. I'm watching that. And every time Dale Hunter was on the ice, something happened. It was just a fact. Like, he was going to try to maim someone or someone was going to try to maim him. And... You know, Dale Hunter and the Stastny's, and then one of the guys on this list is, is probably the biggest reasons why uh, the Nordiques were always always my number two. But I have three honorable mentions. Hunter is that guy. I mean, Hunter, Dale Hunter needs no explanation, but uh, I'm not, again, I'm not saying he's a good fighter. He's, he's Dale Hunter, you know. Um, but I couldn't put him in the top five. I, you know, fighting-wise, he, he wouldn't probably be top 30. If I made a top 30, he probably wouldn't be there. But in the in the lore of the Nordiques, Dale Hunter is a pretty pretty central figure. So yeah. uh, I gave him one of the honorable mentions. So oh, you have to, yeah, yeah. But like, what a great career, you know. And like, yes. like you said, fourteen hundred career games, thousand points, thirty five hundred minutes. I mean, yeah, I mean the guy did it all, and you know, um, yeah. you know, I, I like I said, I can't stand him. And and mm-hmm. actually, it's funny as you're sitting there talking, but I know he did obviously did a bunch of fighting and stuff. And I and I'm not trying to say it to sound like a smartass or anything, but it's like I I legitimately don't remember any Dale Hunter fights. No, I mean I, mean, I know I've seen them and I know he's fought, but I don't remember like nothing's standing out to me. No, and it wouldn't. And here's the fact: Do you know who he fought the most in his career? This may this may turn you a little bit. Ulf Samuelson. Well, there you go. See, might yeah. turn you a little bit. Fought all five times. So there you go. Listen, I, that's what I'm saying. As far as actual fighting skills, Dale Hunter's not on anyone's list. It's, it's just the way it is. Unless you're you're ranking the hunters, you know who's the toughest hunter. That's you know the three brothers. Um, he's he's not he's not a good fighter, but he makes stuff happen. And uh, yeah. I, I I will give this to Dale Hunter. I was actually impressed with this. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar, uh, basically when the visiting teams would come and play the Islanders, it, they would stay at the Marriott, which is across the parking lot. And 99% of the players would walk from the hotel to the arena. You'd get, you know, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, those guys would hop on a bus or take a cab instead of walking over because there was always fans out there. Even after the Turgeon thing, Dale Hunter just walked over. It was never anything where, you know, because, listen, 
He was public enemy number one here. He probably still, well, maybe Tavares is now, but um, people here have long memories, and I will give him credit. I will say Dale Hunter always walked, always walked across from the hotel to the to the arena. And if anyone wanted to take a shot at him, they had an, they had ample opportunity. But uh, I will give him credit for that. I, I thought that was pretty stand up of him. Ah, that's actually pretty ballsy, man. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, I will say, but yeah, it's funny. Uh, uh, yeah. Sure, a lot of a lot of everybody, all a lot of tough guys in the stands that had their opportunity, but never seemed to never take advantage of it. I guess. <laughs> well, I will say that uh, I did not bring my wife whenever I would go uh, to see because that's around. You know, um, it was always someone on the team I, I wanted to get signed. And even him, I would get stuff signed by. Never took my wife because if anyone was going to act on their hatred, it, it would have been my wife. So uh, I knew it was safe to just leave her at home. Uh, to this day, um, she's not a fan. So, uh, but uh, I, I knew better to keep her keep her at home because uh, she got a bit of a temper. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. So that's my first honorable honorable mention. My second honorable mention. Someone that you're it might be surprising. Uh, but Randy Moeller, I think he fought, and again, Randy Moeller is not, in terms of fighting skill, you know, this is a team, you know, you had guys like Jimmy Mann, you had guys like John Wensink, you had Moose DuPont, these short-term guys that were here. Randy Moeller is not pugilistically sound as, as these guys. I had no idea that Randy Moeller... Actually, he's fourth on the team in history, 58 fights. He had a 1,000 penalty minutes with Quebec alone. Forget about the Rangers, the Panthers, the teams that he played with after. Just with Quebec, had a 1,000 penalty minutes. And I think what, what really stands out, and I was looking at the numbers before. So he had 58 fights with Quebec. 38, or 38, and my voice cracked there. 35 of them were against the other four Adams division teams. So... Obviously, you know, back then, defensemen, physical defensemen could play physically. So you probably had a lot of fights that were from him hitting guys in front of the net and things like that. And a lot of fights happened there. He always managed to fight Shane Corson, it seemed like, when they would fight. Um, but, but you know, back when there were rivalries and back, you know, I, and a lot of times I think everyone, you know, you focus on the Chuck Norris division. The Adams division at the time was was pretty crazy, too. So he's got 35 of his 58 fights you know, against Buffalo, Boston, Montreal, Hartford. So, um, again, he's it's not he's not Ben Wilson, but he showed up and he he wouldn't let anyone take advantage. And and when I went back and I watched some video and stuff like that, I said, you know, I never I knew he would fight. I never in a million years would have thought he'd have a thousand penalty minutes with Quebec. And like I said, his his fights meant something because they're always in these divisional games. So. I can't put Randy Moeller in my top five, but but he does. I think he's a guy that deserves to be acknowledged. Yeah, see, that's interesting. Like you said, I never would have guessed it either. And I'm just kind of looking at his numbers right now, and it's like, I mean, yeah, I remember watching him. I remember I remember him some battles because I think he fought Wendell Clark a couple times, and it was like I remember those. And, well, mm-hmm. I don't think he fought one. I know he did, but mm-hmm. it was just like, yeah, I remember him just being one of those. Like you said, he's just one of those sandpaper D, right? Sort of. That, that flies under the radar that I don't think people necessarily remember. You know, it's like him or like guys like him or a Bob Rouse or a Dean Kennedy, yeah. like guys like that, that you were just, 
Jay Wells. Wow, Jay mm-hmm. Wells is a little tougher than those guys. Yeah, you know he's what I'm little, saying. Yep. But but there's just you don't think of them right away. Like you think of, you know, whoever, you know, like I don't know, in the, like in L, it would be like McSorley or whatever. You never thought of Jay Wells, right? It was like right. but they were there. And like mm-hmm. you know, and it was just uh yeah, I said Dean oh, I said Dean Candy already. But yeah, mm-hmm. just guys like that that were just those gritty yeah. The, the that aren't in hockey anymore, right? You know, yeah. The, the clear the, the clear the crease. If shit's going south, I'll fight you. They'll fight anybody. Might not win them all, but they'll be in them, and they'll just you know glassing out with the puck, and it's you know whatever. But they're always there, and uh, yeah, the league. That's the difference in hockey these days. They're, those guys aren't around anymore. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it's and keep in mind. Um, and maybe not during Moeller's career because they were always – not always, but they were usually a, a playoff team or on the precipice of the playoffs when Moeller was there. Um, later on with some of the guys we're going to talk about, they were on some pretty bad teams. And I, I think it's – you know they always say like if you're an enforcer on a good team, it's always easier to, to fight when, when you're winning or you're on a good team. When you're on some of these Quebec teams that were just so bad – um, which of course eventually it paid off later on with the good drafting, but when you're on these teams that are just awful teams, like performance wise, record wise, it's it's a lot, and that's you know these guys deserve the credit, and that's what I'm saying. Like you and I talking tonight about these guys, and you know mentioning guys like Randy Moeller or some of these other guys, like it's not going to make a ripple in the world, but how many times can you know like even these new fucking player like everyone loves trevor zigris it's like what it's the same shit anytime anyone ever talks about him it's just the same shit and i think that's the good thing about shows like ours and shows like alex where we're talking about these guys like it just now we're talking about randy moeller for five or ten minutes and who knows when the last time anyone spoke about randy moeller on a show that he wasn't a guest on so it's it's just nice to kind of bring these guys' stories to light and bring their name out there where maybe they just wouldn't be otherwise. And, you know, like I say, he's not the first guy you think of, but, uh, you know, he, he obviously, you know, he did his job there. And, um, you know, he went on, and I think he played in the final when um, Florida made the final. I, I probably lost to Colorado, I think, uh, as a matter of fact. It's just good to get these, and, and we we know this. It's just good to get these names out there. Maybe, like you said, with the the Probert Invitational, just get names out there, and maybe some of the younger people will go and, and Google them or um, YouTube them, and you know, just just to get some conversation started. I think a guy like Randy Moeller, who's been through the wars, deserves it. Absolutely, I agree. Yep. So my last honorable mention, and this is where this is where the WHA thing. I think he's the one. Um, that it might affect the most, and that's Wally Weir. So Wally Weir, uh, 12th in Quebec history in fights, 26, 535 penalty minutes, but three of his seasons with Quebec that aren't including those numbers were in the WHA, and he played 150 games, had over 400 penalty minutes. Um, if If I included the WHA, or if I had that footage, let's say, Wally Weir could easily be number five on the list, but I don't. But similar to Randy Moeller, Wally Weir is a guy, again, and this is these are guys that played, played in the 70s and the early 80s. So this is when hockey was hockey. It was a man's game. You know, been through the wars. These guys need to be talked about. And it's 
it's a shame because I wish I had more foot, more W. I mean, we all do wish we had more WHA footage, but especially now that I'm doing this show, Wally Weir is probably the guy who's going to get shafted the most because he's a guy. He's he was in the WHA, but then he came with the team to the NHL. But his first three, I mean, he had some really uh, two of the three seasons. He had some pretty big penalty minute numbers. Probably had a lot of fights in those years because he, he fought a lot when he was in the NHL too. There's just not nothing out there. I can't. There's nothing I can watch. So he's probably the guy where if I had that footage, he could easily slip in into number five. So it's just hard to talk about these. That's like back when I was doing Chronicles and I had Kevin Devine on the show. And it's like trying to find no WHA footage from when he was in Indianapolis and the, and, and those teams. So it's hard. And, and with this, Wally Weir, it's difficult to really say – where would he be on this list? But but I think the numbers are there to say if I had all the footage and we're doing comparing footage to footage and resume to resume, he could easily be number five on this list. So, but but again, I felt like you know Wally Weir needs to be mentioned. Yeah, well, and I mean, I can't add anything because I mean I've heard the name, I know who he is, mm-hmm. I knew he played in Quebec or whatever. I don't. I I maybe on one hand I could count how many Wally Weir fights I've seen. So right. it's I, I I have nothing to offer. I will <laughs> I have I have no shame in saying that. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and, and, and lie to the people, Joe. I can't <laughs> do it. So I'm not gonna act like that, but uh, and act like I know because I don't. But like I said, I've heard the name, I know he's a WHA guy, I know he played with the Nords. I've got some pictures of him. In fact, I think he didn't you just ask me? No, that was no, that wasn't Wally Weir. That wasn't me. That, oh, it was Lane no. Lambert. Yeah, that was Lane Lambert. I was yeah. hoping he was signing autographs tonight, but he wasn't there. It was just the players. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm like, didn't you just ask me for a Wally Weir picture? <laughs> no, it was Lane Lambert. Um, Lane Lambert. But, uh, yeah, I'm just laughing looking at his thing here. The most penalty minutes he ever had was in his final year of professional hockey. In the American League, he had 300 minutes in 67 games with the Skipjacks when he was mm-hmm. 31, and then he retired. So I'm yeah. like, he, he just went out in a blaze of glory. He never actually even had 200 minutes in any season before that. And then he picks up 300 in his final year of pro. So, yeah. that's yeah. And he's someone that I really want to do my research on because I'd love to have him on there. Because mm-hmm. the Divine interview was one of my favorite interviews I did because I learned so much. And he, and he had some really good stories about the WHA. And it was really, you know, a lot of, I think his career started around the time I was born. So, uh, I learned so much when I interviewed Kevin Devine. Now, Weir's a little bit younger than Devine is, but there's so many things that I don't know about Wally Weir that I would love to get him on the show yeah. and interview him. But I don't want to be the guy. I don't want to be the hockey DB guy. Hey, you play for the Nordiques and WHA. What was that like? You know, so um, I really want to do my research on him because I'd love to get him on the show. But uh, again, I don't want to go in with an empty gun. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, is he even on social media? His son is on social media. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I, I think he'd be a guy where if he's into doing the show, I would at least get an Even if he's not, I'd at least get an answer if I if I message his son, you know, and he brought it up. Um, well, I, don't you, think- I can guarantee his kid would think it was a good idea. Because he'd think, holy shit, really? You want my dad on a show? Because, I mean, not I'm not knocking Wally Weir, but really, mm-hmm. like, how many people are asking for Wally Weir interviews? So it's like... I, I think his kid would probably get a charge out of it, right? Like, and then that would probably be actually really good in because he'd be like, even if his Wally was like, ah, I don't know, his kid, no, no, you got to do it, you know, whatever. 
Like if you get the family pushing them, then you could get it maybe. But yeah, his kid does something. He does something in the media. I don't know what, and I don't remember where. Um, but you know, like if I, I could just basically tell him, hey, look, if you want to know the kind of interviews I do, uh, this is the link to my old show. Uh, it would be pretty in depth. And if your dad's into talking about his old stories, I think we could have a lot of fun, and we'll see what happens. But. Well, we'll see what happens, but I would definitely like to do some more research on him, and I, I would I would love to get him on the show because with a lot of these guys, you know, like especially uh, a bunch of these guys we're going to talk about next, I know a lot of the stories, so it's pretty much just like two pals talking about old times and stories that I may know that, that maybe the general public doesn't know. Interviewing Wally Weir, 95% of that stuff would all be new to me, and I think it would be amazing. Well, that, yeah, it would be, and it would be, well, and it would be 95% to everyone else, too, you know. Maybe, yeah. You know, so, yeah, I think, yeah, anytime a WHA guy would always be in, because that league was so crazy. It's yeah. it's amazing for as crazy as that league was and stuff, but I guess it was just the time period. It was just like, there's just no footage, you know, yeah. no, not really, and it's just like, oh. I mean, mm-hmm. I get it's the mid to late 70s, VCRs weren't around yet, whatever, but it's just like, oh, man, and it's just amazing that the... I don't know, just teams didn't, well, I guess they just, the teams were gone. So what was there to save? There's, you know, they just folded and whatever. And the project yeah. got chucked in the dumpster and the footage and programs and pictures. And, you know, we're not doing that anymore. The business is shut down. We're bankrupt. So things get thrown away, you know? So it's just like, mm-hmm. oh my God, you know, just <laughs> the stuff that's lost. But because that's such a league I'd love, like, I mean, I've read some books. So you watch some of the documentaries of the Rebel League and mm-hmm. anybody have a chance to read that book. It's good. Check it out. And I mean, like you said, with the Carlsons and like, you know, Oglethorpe and, or Goldthorpe and all that mm-hmm. shit. I mean, it's just, you know, machine gun gourd Gallant and stuff. I would love to learn about that shit, but it's just not a lot of stuff out there. But, and like right. you said, and now these guys are getting into their sixties and seventies. I mean, it's not like, and there's, and they're, you know, whatever dying or not doing, or you can't get old, like, you know, not a lot of 70 guys, year olds are on Twitter. So it's like it's hard to get a hold of these guys. So yeah. you know, and so their stories are just not out there. So yeah, man, yeah. it'd be yeah. If you get Wally Weir, that'd be cool as shit. Yeah, well, I'll try. I promise everyone, I'll try. I'll do my best. And now a message from our sponsors, hockey fans. It's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for a season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. Is Colorado going to repeat? Is Toronto Maple Leaf? Is this going to be finally be the year? I see Carolina's up there in the Stanley Cup Futures bets as well. If that wasn't enough excitement, you could turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. So we get into the top five now, and, and the top five are all pretty. Uh, anyone that watched Quebec, you know, in the second half of their NHL, you know, uh, tenure, let's say, you're going to know all these names, and uh, especially the top four guys, you're going to know. I mean, if you're a fight fan, but 
I felt like I had to give Stephen Finn his due. Um, Stephen Finn, for anyone that collects fight tapes, Stephen Finn's on your on every fight tape you own probably three times. And the fight may not be great, uh, but similar to Randy Moeller, uh, stay-at-home defenseman, played physical when you could play physical. And and he, he wasn't a lifer because he finished with L.A. Um, but Stephen Finn pretty much rode shotgun for all the heavyweights that, that they had for, from the time of his career. I think he was a solid number two guy, uh, brought that physical presence. And, you know, he's the kind of guy where, like like I said, similar to Moeller, you just plug him in the lineup. And he's not going to go end-to-end. But if anyone's anyone's coming down, you know, trying to do something, he's going to make a defensive play. Uh, he's going to protect the goalie, and if shit goes sideways, you know, he'll he'll go for it. He'll he'll try to you know straighten things out. Is he as is he as uh, tough in terms of uh, uh, technique? Let's say as the top four guys, maybe not, uh, probably not. But he was tough enough. I mean, and, and, you know, we talk about, you know, Hunter being number one and number, you know, Finn's number two. Uh, second most fights in the history of the team, 63. Second most pims, 1,514. So maybe that might be even more amazing to people than Moeller just cracking a 1,000. Um, you know, like I said, he's sort of that guy where if you're not a Nordiques fan, you just, you know, you pop in a uh, sort of fight tape. Oh, there's Stephen Finn fight. Oh, like 45 minutes later, there's another one, and it may not be, it may not be a fight that makes an impression. Um, but if you're a Nordiques fan, or if you're if you're a Nordiques teammate of his, you knew that he had your back. And um, you know, I like you know, you mentioned before, you can't think of any particular fights. I don't think Stephen Finn has a lot of signature fights, but I, I think the fact that he did the job and you know, did the job without any fanfare, just like, you know, he, again, fan, young fans won't understand this, but back then every team had at least one of these guys who was just your solid stay-at-home defenseman and could dish out punishment. You know, he'll get a, you know, a few points a year or whatever, but that wasn't his job, and that was okay, where nowadays everyone wants an all-star team. You want four lines of all-stars. You want, you know, your six defensemen are all all-stars because they think it's video game hockey. Well, when, when, you know, there were times Finn and Moeller played at the same time. You had two guys there. You had two stay-at-home defensemen. You know, and, and that's a lost art. So, again, it's it's more of an acknowledgement of the job that Stephen Finn did um, rather than saying, well, in terms of fighting, he's the fifth toughest guy they had. I think he just, again, he's another guy that I think needs to be acknowledged because, you know, I listen to quite a few podcasts and I don't hear Stephen Finn's name come up that much. No, um, yeah, same thing. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't realize, you don't realize until you look into it. And yeah, I didn't realize he had that many penalty minutes until um, the other day when I was looking it up. Um, yeah, Finn, like I said, he was around. Uh, I never, again, not a disrespectful thing to him. I just, I honestly didn't pay much attention to him. Um, sure. He bugged me because he, uh, you know, kind of, a, he wore a visor, didn't he? For some of his career, yeah, he had a visor on, yeah. Yeah, and it kind of irritated me because it was like, mm-hmm. well, you're kind of supposed to be a tough guy, like, you know, but mm-hmm. whatever. But, uh, but yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, and he was one of those guys, and he was, though. He was around, and he would he would fight when need be, and, uh, like, he, no, he certainly wasn't, like, oh, he wore a visor, he was a pussy. Like, well, no, he, <laughs> he wasn't. Um, yeah. But it was like, 
it was kind of like the pilon thing, right? It's like, well, although he had an eye thing, so I guess that's why yeah. he had to do it. But it was like, ah, you'd play like that and you wear a visor, but no, they, you know, whatever. They were, they were tough, but, mm. uh, oh, I mean, Stephen Finn would be Godzilla if he played today, but I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but he was, he was a good, like you say, he was a good tag team partner to have for sure on the back end. Well, and, you know, just bring, I brought up Zegras and, uh, what was it last year? Jay Beagle was, uh, was Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. And Jay wasn't really a physical player at all. So, you know, Stephen Finn might be Ben Wilson nowadays. He'd be thrown out of the league, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, you and I could wax poetic on, on what the league has become. But, you know, you can, in these, there are shows out there now and they're getting a lot of the same people and they're talking about a lot of the same players and, it's fine for, you know, we're, we may not be the demographic they're looking for. Um, but for me, I would love to get Stephen Finn on the show and, and just talk about it and talk about his career. I mean, uh, how many guys can say, I mean, listen, how many humans could say they have any penalty minutes in the NHL? How many people could say they have 1500 and most of them with one team, you know? So, and, and the fact that he, like I said, he, he wrote shotgun for some of the toughest guys that played in this league. So I think Stephen Finn would be a great interview. And I just think it's good to, to bring his name up. I completely agree. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So now we're going to get into the meat and potatoes here. So, uh, I think people could probably figure out, if you think about it, who who are in the top four. Um, my top three were a little. You kind of, I kind of had to think about who was going to be ranked three to one. If this guy had played more games in Quebec, he makes it even that much more difficult. But because Chris Simon really only played a couple seasons before they moved to Colorado, um, he's number four. But again, anyone that knows and has seen Chris Simon, if he had played a, another season, two seasons, three seasons in Quebec, he could easily be number one. Um, but because he only played a couple seasons there, like for instance, he's had he had 22 fights in Quebec, which here's another name. Although you actually mentioned him a bunch of times in your last step, uh, two episodes ago, Basil McRae. So he's tied with Basil McRae for the 14th most fights in history. And he's got 305 penalty minutes. I mean, there's really no reason to to go too in-depth on Chris Simon because there's enough footage out there. People have seen him. Like, when I think of Chris Simon, um, the first two things I think about, of course, is coming over in the Lindros trade. Um, you know, one of the, what, five or six players in there. And, you know, and, and I'm sure some of the New Age fans will say always oh, a throw-in, but the guy was a second-round pick. And I think he was, I think he was like 25th or 26th overall, which nowadays would make him a first round pick. Um, I think of the fights he had with Dave Brown. Yep. And he had two fights with Dave Brown. Those are the first two fights that come to me when I think of Chris Simon. And, um, you know, Dave Brown, you know, everybody but Harrison knows who Dave Brown is, right? But no. Uh, uh, well, he knows I mean, him now. He knows exactly, him now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, Dave Brown, I think if you don't have, I think if you don't have Dave Brown in your top three, I think that's crazy. I personally have him at number two, and I kind of waver a little bit. Like he's probably number two. There are days I'm like, man, he should be number one, but let's just say he's at number two. So you have this kid, Chris Simon, coming up, big kid, big lefty. Now he's going to go, uh, going up against the veteran, 
And, you know, Simon was fearless. And obviously he played over the edge a lot of times, which, again, suspensions and everything. I love Chris Simon. Those are the fights I think about, first of all. You know, and I think when the, when the NHL was locked out and they put a lot of the minor league games on, I think maybe some people's first exposure to Chris Simon was when he thumped Brashear, when uh, Brashear was with Fredericton, that, because I think that was uh, maybe one of the first times you had the, the bigger audience because it, I think that's what they were doing. Because, like, we got a Fredericton-Halifax game, and we got it here in New York. So it was probably broadcast all over the place. So I think that that was – Maybe everyone, a lot of people's first exposure to him, if you're not like a fight nerd like us, and maybe get see some OHL fights here or there. But um, all right, Chris Simon's an animal, you know, and, uh, you know, you just think about the – and the thing about Chris Simon when I was going through his fight card, Chris Simon has always been the same way. Um, and, and I think it's – Chris Simon will fight a heavyweight or he'll fight someone who maybe looked at him the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> like he didn't care. He absolutely – I think in the same game once he fought uh, Glenn Featherstone and Steve Hines. I, I, he just doesn't care. So nobody was safe when he was out there. And, of course, this was young, raw-boned Chris Simon before the Undertaker um, you know, avalanche version. Um, but, I, like I said, there's his, his Quebec stint was very short because of the move. And if they had stayed in Quebec, he could easily be number one. Yeah, so. I agree. Yeah, I mean, and um, yeah, what is there to say, right? I mean, it, it's a shame right. with the injuries when he got to Washington, but it was, uh, yeah, when he first came up with Quebec there, it was like, yeah, and he had the really good fights with Brown, like you said. <coughs> it was like, oh, here we go, right? Because he, he had some hype coming in, too. Yeah. Coming out of the Ontario League, so, uh, yeah. And then, uh, actually, him and Lindros had a great fight. Yes. I always mm-hmm. say, actually, that's Lindros' best fight. Because uh, I would, pro- well, I don't want to say Lindros won. He didn't lose. And yeah. he actually made a real good comeback in that fight. Because Simon mm-hmm. kind of had him. And then Lindros came back. Which actually showed how actually good of a fighter Lindros was. I think some people like to shit on him. But it was like, nah, he, he, he was pretty good. Um, especially when he was pissed off. And I think him and Simon had a little bit of a history. But, uh, yeah. well, mm-hmm. plus with the trade and everything. I'm sure that played into it too. Um but yeah, man. It, uh, but imagine if that trade didn't happen though, and Simon had played in Philly, could, oh, they would have God. erected statues of the guy. He'd be up there with Rocky at the top of the stairs. Yeah. If if Chris Simon would have played in Philly back then, because you know now, I don't know what happened to Philadelphia and, and their hockey fans. It's it's frightening reading some of their comments now. Uh, but back then. It, it would have been amazing if Chris Simon would have played a little bit in Philly. It would have been whole, you know, like you say, because then, then you have because he, the Flyers were always tough. I mean, obviously, who, who's what am I saying here? I'm not putting the flag down saying that, but there was always kind of like Brown, you know, Brown Baruby. But at that point, if if Simon had played, now you have the heir apparent. You know, you yeah. go as tough as as tough as. Um, the team always was and the guys they had and Baruby in his own right is a legend. It's Dave Brown. Dave Brown's the man. Well, now you got an aging Dave Brown and now we're going to bring in this big, big kid who's going to be the heir apparent. It would have been unbelievable. But, you know, it worked out well for him. You know, he's got a ring and uh, and he had a great career and pissed a lot of people off. And um, But I, I love Chris Simon. I agree. So do I. Yep. All right. Scared. 
Yeah, so we're going to get to the top three now. And the top three, if people are going to shit on me, it's going to be for the top three. I, I'm, it's going to be crazy. How could you put this guy over that guy? This is my list. Make your own list, okay? The scary thing about Chris Simon is that he played on the same team with number three, who I have as Tony Twist. It's it's Isn't that wild? crazy. To, what's that? Isn't that wild? It's, could you imagine the two those two guys if they had played any number of years together? I mean, and and maybe Simon made Twist expendable because you know you had a guy that was tough and played a little bit more, you know. But uh, fuck, could you imagine if you put those guys together for three or four years? I mean, they would have terrorized the league. It would have oh, been yeah. unbelievable to see. You know, you have Twist, the veteran. You have Simon coming up. Learning from Twist, you know, getting tips and everything, and and Simon getting into his prime, playing on a team with Twist, it would have been unbelievable to watch. But um, I have Twist at number three, uh, sixth in the history of the franchise, forty fights, sixteenth in penalty minutes, which shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Twist never put up those monster pims in pro, um, and uh, he's obviously every well people should know traded to Quebec from the Blues. Uh, for another guy on this list who we'll get to. Uh, and also Herb Raglin, who, you know, no slouch in his own right. Um, when I think of Twist in Quebec, first fight that comes to mind is the Mike Peluso fight, where he dropped him and knocked him out. And um, and that one we got here because, you know, being in, in on Long Island, uh, you know, we get the Devils games. So I remember watching that. And I would watch all the Quebec games any way that, that I could get on TV. But... I remember, I think a goal had just been scored and they come back and they join the fight just as, as it's in progress. And you got twist throwing the haymakers and coupled with Peluso, it, you know, kind of, he was kind of, I think twist was, I mean, Peluso was a strong guy too, but I think twist had him in that spot where he was kind of making, you know, hurting Peluso's balance, which was, you know, not the best to begin with. I hate, you know, I'm not trying to say shit about a guy, but I think it was just a bad combination uh, and then next thing you know, you just it's lights out, and um, you know. So that's that's you know that is the first fight that comes to mind, of course. Well, that was um, a, and that was a legitimate KO too. Like I yeah. mean, people like to throw oh, KO TKO, and it's like yeah. Well, I mean, if it's like in boxing terms, it'd be like a standing eight count. A lot of these, like yeah, the guy gets right. knocked down, but he gets up and skates to the box or skates wherever. Now, Peluso wasn't skating anywhere. Like, they had to help him up and whatever. Peluso said Twist hit him so hard he thought he could speak French. Yeah, he did say that. Yeah. <laughs> and, I remember, and I remember Peluso saying, you know, like, uh, listen, I was fortunate enough when when Tony played and he'd come to the island, we would uh, we would get together, we'd hang out and everything, and we would talk. And, and I know Tony, you know, I, I God, I'm hoping to reconnect with him for this show. It would be great to get him on the show. Um, so I know he's a good guy. I know Tony's a good guy. But I remember Peluso saying, uh, I don't know if Twist showed up at the hospital that night or the next day or whatever it was. And he just said, he goes, I knew he was a good guy as soon as either he showed up or he called or whatever. And I wasn't surprised. And and you know this. And guys that know the guys who do the job, they're they're most of them are good guys. So, um, but but hey, it's kind of like in the moment, it's you're going to get hurt or he's going to get hurt. And you know that time it was Twist getting the upper hand and uh but again then when the when the dust settles and the adrenaline kind of drops a little bit well okay well let's see how this guy's doing you don't want to put anyone out but um that's the first fight i remember obviously you can't really talk about tony twist without talking about todd ewan um 
ironically, Twist's first fight with Quebec was against Montreal and Todd Ewan. Um, again, you can't mention Tony Twist without mentioning Darren Kimball and, of course, Jim McKenzie. You know, all these, all these, uh, Western boys, you know, uh, you know, Todd and, and Darren Kimball, McKenzie. These are all, you know, these guys did it, did it down in the Western League and it just, you know, I mean, you're there. Um, little bit of a rivalry with Gino Ojic. I know at the time he wasn't the biggest Gino fan. Um, things that we discussed. I don't think it's a, it's a secret. Um, wasn't a huge Gino fan. I think he enjoyed fighting him. And, you know, then I think really this was where, Everybody knew how tough he was. Everybody knew knew how hard he threw. But this was one of the the first times I heard you know people talk about his power and you know the exhibition fight against Kirk Tomlinson where he cracked his helmet. Um, I think that's that's not where it started, but I, I think that's where it sto- sort of picked up some momentum. And um, I think um, unless you're in Peoria, of course, where well, you the, the world found out about how yeah. his power. I mean, right. the, the fight nerds and the people that were into it already knew. Um, right. That's what, like, what I was. Well, I had the whole twist. I've had the twist argument, the roids thing, and all that. So we won't go into that. But I've had that ranted and raved on this show before about that. But I always laugh when you talk to some of these guys. They talk about twist. I'm like, you know, there's hockey outside the NHL, right? <laughs> like, I'm talking to one guy, and I said, "Well, he he dropped Link Gates. Oh yeah, yeah. but that wasn't in the NHL." <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, so it's got to be in the NHL for it to count? Like, you know, like, you're, you're talking like Link Gates, man. That's like one of the scariest people to ever play hockey. But because it was in Kalamazoo, it doesn't count. Okay. You know, like, you know, it's like he was dropping dudes in, in the IHL. And it's right. like, oh, I was like, oh, it was, well, you could see when he got big. Oh, believe me, I saw him in Saskatoon. He was big here, too. He was big yeah. when he was 18. Like, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Well, really big. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I it's I get it. But it's yeah. like, I'll, I can show you a picture when he played in Peoria. And he looks like what he did in St. Louis the second time. Like, it's mm-hmm. he was always big. You know, like, I just laugh about that. Was it pre-Roids or Roids twist? Yeah. Like, okay. You're like, you know, well, that's what I said to the one guy. I said, oh, I'm not saying he didn't. But I'm just saying, when did it start? Oh, wow. In St. Louis. Oh, you know, do you? Like, yeah. you know, he's pretty, like, oh, yeah, because he was just some, what did they call him? Oh, a, a, a middleweight in Quebec at best. I'm like, what are you talking? <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. Go away now. I'm blocking you now. Stop talking. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like, we talk about, we talked about Parker before. I don't understand how anyone that, that likes hockey fights can dislike this guy. Now, We've known guys that have done the job that didn't necessarily like doing the job, but they did it. We know guys that didn't mind doing the job, and we know some guys who who like doing the job. Here's a guy that has made no bones about what his job is, has really even admitted that, you know, he doesn't know what to do with the little black thing. He doesn't care to know what to do with the little black thing. He was being paid for one reason. You have a guy embracing the role, like – doesn't care and makes no bones about it like a lot of these guys you know they don't want to talk about this they don't want to talk about that and i get it hey it's your prerogative i'm not judging you but you have a guy here that literally embraces the role loves it i mean lives for it sticks up for it and people are shitting on him i know It, it, it like i don't like i expect i expect the people who the anti fighting crowd if you're going to pick a guy to shit on, well, Tony Twist, okay? But 
if you're a fight fan, how the fuck are you not a fan of this guy? Now, you don't have to, you know, if you're a fight fan, you don't have to say, I love Tony Twist. He's my favorite fighter. But how do you shit on a guy who loves the role as much as he does? I, I never understood that. Mm-hmm. Now, is it because, like like you had said about Brashear, did he beat up your favorite guy? Well, all right. Well, oh, he didn't fight enough. Okay, well, it takes two to fight. Like, I, it, it's all the same shit with him. Like, yeah. it takes two to fight. Nobody, like, okay, I get it. But if you, it, guys did not, were not looking for him. It's just a fact. Whether you like it or not, he, yeah. he had to really initiate a lot of the fights he was in. Yeah, well, I laughed because the one guy sitting there arguing, and he goes, well, he never had a good fight with Probert. I'm like, oh, okay, is that his fault? Like, yeah. like I don't know. Like, there's like you said, there takes two to fight. Yeah, they tried. I mean, they fell down. I'm like, you realize they're on blades on ice, right? Like, it's just sometimes it happens that way that it just doesn't work out. But I mean, okay, you didn't get the McSorley Probert Classic. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I mean, you know, it's just what can you do? But it, it's know- but it's just anything to just to pick apart that. They didn't like, oh, his fights suck because he just spazzed out and whatever. Well, styles make fights. It'd be pretty boring. Everyone fought the same. So, I don't yeah. know. I, I Like I said, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. I've never I, understood. It, for a lot of these guys, I've never understood this. I guess if they just get, I, I guess if they just get that wrapped up in fandom and he wasn't on their yeah. team, so I don't like him. I mean, like I've said, of nauseam, I don't understand that mindset, but it's just, Okay, I'm like I don't know, but yeah, if you're a fight, like I always say, no one hates fighting more than fight fans. So, (laughs) I mean, and the thing is, like, I'll I'll listen to. I've heard Darren Kimball talk about Tony Twist a lot, and I've heard Jim McKenzie talk about Tony Twist a lot. I've heard Kelly Chase talk about Tony Twist a lot. Mm, I think I'll go with what they say. I'll go with what they say because a they fought him, and b. They know a little bit more about it than we do. So I'm, I'm probably going to go with their opinion. If I'm going to go listen to anyone, I'll listen to those guys instead of you, random Facebook user. It, it, it's, it's just mind-blowing. But, you know, again, and I think Twist, again, if he played longer in Quebec, he's higher on the list. But uh, well, like three said, isn't so well, bad. And when he got hurt there, he was in his prime. Yeah. And he was going to where? It's Boston, right? It was, I haven't, got, and see, this is another reason why, I, well, one of the 8 million reasons I'd love to have him on the show, because I've heard Boston and I've heard Philly, so. Yeah, it was uh, one, I, I think, well, Rivers told me, he had signed, or he was yeah. in, like, a verbal agreement with him, uh, yeah. and I swear he said Boston. I've it, heard it was Boston or Philly, but I'm pretty up. sure Rivers said yeah. Boston. Yeah. Yeah. But could you imagine? <laughs> Again, this goes back to what we were just saying. If he had played a few more, like, if he had finished his career in Boston, because he was in his early 30s when he got hurt. So, okay, say he plays like the three-year contract that he was going to sign. Most likely he'd probably be done at that point because he'd be 34, 35. Yeah. But could you imagine if he played those final three years in Boston? The, the difference, <laughs> I can guarantee the different outlook these Facebook people in these fight groups would have. Oh, God, yeah. Because a lot of them Bruins homers would just be all over his jock at that point. Well, we'd have to be thankful that Derek Sanderson no longer did the games because, well, Twist would be undefeated, of course. And, of course, when he was with Quebec and fought the Bruins, he never won. So, uh, we'd have, and I don't know if Jack Edwards had taken over at that point yet, but uh, but it would be interesting to hear Derek Sanderson call uh, call Twist fights for the Bruins. That would definitely be something to listen to. 
Well, the, yeah, the first time he said that Tony was out there just to play hockey would be. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know if Derek could pull that one off. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Tony just wants to play. Tony just wants to play. He's not interested, but you pushed him, and now here you go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I just mentioned him, Darren Kimball. Um, Darren Kimball, to me, um, well, we'll say seventh in team history in fights, 37. I'm giving the numbers just to kind of give you an idea, um, and I'll tell you why when I talk about number one. Uh, 37 fights, uh, 15th of penalty minutes. To me, when I think of Darren Kimball as a Nordique, three fights come to mind. Um, first, first, I'll talk about the Claude Lemieux thing, where the fight itself was was you know good, but it's the preamble leading up to the fight where <laughs> it looks like Kimball is basically saying to him, "Drop your gloves, I'm going to punch you." And and you know it's Claude Lemieux. He won't drop the gloves. He won't drop the stick. And then finally, you know. Old Western League, you know, like it's a Western League move. Like he gently puts the glove down and grabs him and pops him, you know. So in terms of fights, it's it's probably the third best fight of the ones I'm going to bring up. But it was just it was just a preamble to that fight. And, of course, it's Claude Lemieux. And, of course, it's the Battle of Quebec. It's in the forum. Like the state – and because everybody else is occupied and then there's these two guys all alone, all alone. No one's near him. And you got to figure – you know, listen, I – Claude Lemieux, he's tough in a different kind of way. Yep. Uh, very strong guy. Very strong guy. But you got to figure out of the other four non-goalies out there, he would rather have been paired up with anyone, anyone else as opposed to Kimby. So um, so that one comes to mind. Of course, the Mark LaForge fight. I mean, um, everybody's seen that a million times. And, um, and if you watch that, t- which I know you have, if you watch the Tough Guys documentary, uh, where LaForge is interviewed, I think he actually said that fight set him back about three years. Um, and I guess, you know, like that's, I'd love to, you know, have Kimball just ask him because, you know, pre VHS days, like LaForge is no OHL guy. And I know he was in the American League and Kimball's in the American League, but how much do you know? Do you know this guy's reputation? You know, uh, was there any chatter on the faceoff? Because it looked like it was set up already. So, you know, and Kimball always threw fast, and he just he got those those really one nice shot and another one just split him wide open. You know, like he it's like in terms of that role, that's like the dream punch. Like he just killed a guy. You know, so uh, that that fight, and of course the Crowder fight, which you know again we talk about like now you can there's nothing in the league now that's a secret because everything is filmed everything and not only is everything filmed everything's on facebook everything's on these guys can't put enough shit of their own on instagram they want everything's on social media everything's on on youtube back then there is none of this stuff so I, again i'd love to say so you guys are on the league you're obviously hearing about troy crowder you know what was you know was this a guy that you know you I got to fight Troy Crowder. You know, he's, he's running through the league right now. I got to fight this guy. And, um, obviously people have seen that fight. Kimball won the fight. Ironically, his last fight in Quebec, he was traded shortly thereafter. Well, he went to the minors and then he was traded. So that's his, actually his last Quebec fight. You would think guys get traded as they're going down. And this is arguably the biggest fight of his career. He gets trade. He gets sent to the minors after that. Then he gets trade. Then he gets traded. So, um, but you know, Kimball there. You know, I remember there was this. He had a three fight game in in Quebec against Pittsburgh, 
And um, I remember Randy, Randy Cunningham, there's a big scrum that's going on. He fought, I think, Caulfield earlier. He fought Gordon Dean. Now there's a scrum and Randy Cunningham where it takes a pop at Joe Sackick. Oh, Kimball's supposed to be off the ice, but he's not. Now he comes in and he fights Cunningham. And this is old Western League stuff. In the middle of that, there may have been a headbutt. You know, like it's just this kind of stuff, which today would be, oh, my God, we got to arrest him. Um, yeah. But, you know, to me, that's the stuff I think about with Darren Kimball. And, um, you know, Dave, and I, I, caught Dave Brown, too. Yeah, yeah, caught Brown. And, um, you know, and we'll, you know, obviously, if you haven't guessed who number one is, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. But he, he basically, someone had the job and he came in and he, and he took it from him basically. But, um, you know, to me, there's, uh, you know, and again, rivalry, Tony twist rivalry that started in junior, you know, and he was on at both ends. He was, uh, you know, he was Quebec. And then he's St. Louis fighting twist on Quebec. So one of the most exciting fighters I think there ever was, you know, toe to toe stuff. He wasn't interested. I can appreciate a Darren Langdon fight, the scientific, the scientific, uh, method that he used behind it. I really can appreciate a Darren Kimball fight where it's we're just going to do rock'em, sock'em robots and see who comes out on top. So, you know, um, he's number two for me. And, um, you know, I, I, I've been fortunate. I've, no, I've known him a long time. I, w- I wish I could have put him at number one, but I was trying not to be, I was trying not to be biased. So I did not put him at number one. So um, I don't know if you have anything to add before I get to number one. No, I look. No, I was always a huge Kimball guy. Um, I, a lot better. One of those guys. He's a lot better player than people give him credit for. Um, yep. A lot. Maybe people listening don't know, but when he played in, in Prince Albert, thirty-seven goal. Like he was a thirty-goal guy. Uh, Three hundred minutes. Uh, solid player. Um, no, I, you go back and watch his Halifax stuff. In fact, I just put one of his fights up today when he was in Albany, yep. right towards the end. He fights Ryan Vandenbush. There you go. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yep. Toe to toe. You know, and I mean, unfortunately, he had the hand injury and the car accident and all that. And, um, you know, um, and he kind of, um, it was one of those things with Kimball, though. It was kind of interesting you know, to go away from the Quebec thing after that and in St. Louis and then like Boston and Chicago. I don't know. He seemed to, I don't know if he faded quickly. I don't know if that's the right term. It's, but he just got hurt and it just didn't work out and, you know, whatever. But yeah, he, uh, I, I, for some reason, I always liked him more in Quebec than anywhere else. Like, even in St. Louis, I liked him more in Quebec. Like, it was just, I don't know what it was, but, yeah, he, um, I think he, once you go back you, and you look at a couple, some Darren Kimball, go down that, folks listening, go down the YouTube rabbit hole. If you never have, go down a Darren Kimball YouTube rabbit hole one night. You will not be disappointed. He was awesome. Wide open, like Joe said, and just, yeah, he's one of my all-time favorites. Yep. Um, yeah, and and you know, you bring up Halifax. Well, that's a that's a whole other chapter. I mean, Halifax. You could just start with him and the Roberge brothers. Yeah, it was Kimball Roberge, and it wasn't one of them. It was both of them, and it was. It seemed like it was every night. It was just when he was fighting one of them, he was fighting both of them, and you know, it, it's just. And I, I know we fought Mario. Um, uh, I think he, he was in Boston when he fought Mario. I think he fought him twice. But um, the Halifax stuff, you just see – and Halifax, was that was a fun team because you had him and, and Seve. They were on the team. And uh, there were a bunch of those guys, like Greg Smith, 
another guy. Uh, they had the Mohawks and everything like that. So that was that was a fun team. But you got the young Darren. K- and the other thing is, I love I love the smile. He would always smile after. It was just like, uh, all right, he, he kind of gets it, you know. And and I said this about Mick Vakoda, and and I could easily say it about Darren Kimball too. One of the things I love about players like that is they brought the Western League up to them to the NHL. They didn't get too big for anything. They still played the same way. And, and it'd be easy for a guy, and maybe not back then. I mean, they were making decent money, but not like the money of today. But the guy you saw, the Western League, Mick Vakoda from Spokane, is the Western League, is the Vakoda you saw here on the island. He had that same attitude. And I think the same could be said for guys like Kimball, too, where it was always, he had that twinkle in his eye. And, and I, I agree. Uh, Quebec Kimball's my, my favorite, uh, version, obviously. I mean, you know, I liked him throughout his whole career. But here's something that if you, if you want to go back, look at that list. Cause I, I remember this. If that Albany tape that you're talking about, it's literally him fighting all the kids in the American League at that time. Yeah. I remember, I know he fought Cairns, he fought Vandenbush, uh, Rhett Tremblay, he fought, he fought, it's this old guy, well, not old, old hockey years compared to the guys he's fighting. But look at the list of guys he fought that year. It's all these young kids coming up, you know. So it wasn't, it wasn't that he was a guy, and he, you know, he had been in the international league that year. Um, he was with Chicago. They sent him down. He played a handful of games with the ice, and then they, he got traded to Jersey, and they sent him to Albany. So here's a guy that played all these years in the NHL, played a little bit in the IHL. Now he's back in the American League after all this stuff. Now he's got to fight these young lions again, and he fought them all. Fought, he fought them all. So and wide open. Like, yeah, and it wasn't like he just hung on and they up against the glass and let's wait for the refs to get in. Like no, yep. he was swinging. Like so, because he wanted to get back up too. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So uh, so yeah, that's number two. Yep. And and he, and a good friend of mine, his older brother, Kimball fought him in Waskasu at the lake back in. Oh the, yeah. yeah. Got to say, Kimball picked up an L on that one. Ask well, him about it. He'll admit it. He knows. <laughs> it was um, fight stories where they talked about Kim. Kimball didn't mind fighting off the ice too. Yeah. So uh, so he's got a few good uh, a few good street fight stories. But uh, yeah, and Waskasu Lake is a big lake that's up by Prince Albert, and I think he spent a lot of time up there. And yeah, there's mm-hmm. a few Waskasu Lake Kimball fight stories that are out there. So yeah. Yeah, if you ever get him on the show, you can ask him about his Waskasu fight stories. Yeah, that might be episode. That might be episode two. That'll be yeah. you probably two hours right there. But uh, well, here we go. The moment of truth, number one. So number one is Gord Donnelly, and uh, this was tough. I love uh, Gord Donnelly. Is the is the other guy when we talked about why? Um, why did I kind of gravitate towards Quebec too? It was it was the Stastnys. I love them, Dale Hunter, but. I, I really like Gord Donnelly, and the reason was it, it's sort of what you mentioned. Um, they never had that killer, and it, they had guys for a year, maybe two. Maybe you know they were there. Maybe they played in Fredericton a little bit. When they got Donnelly, he sort of gave them that stability that they really didn't have, and he ended up playing, I think, six seasons there. And he and I think what it was was that 
you know, they're playing the Bruins all the time. They're playing Montreal. And these guys, you know, like you think about the Bruins at the time, who are you going to think about? Jay Miller. Uh, you think about Montreal. Well, that's Chris Nyland, John Cordick. Uh, you think about Buffalo, you know, Larry Playfair. Then later on, you got Mike Hartman, Kevin McGuire. These are guys where you look at their hockey DB. They were on those teams for a while. And Quebec was always shuttling guys here and there. You know, Basil McRae was there for a little bit. He'd play a season. Then he'd spend the next year in the minors. Uh, you know, Richard Zemlak's another guy, played a handful of games in Quebec, but never really cracked their lineup. So when Donnelly came in, I think he was really the the guy that sort of gave them that stability. And every time they would play the Bruins, I mean, I think it was, I think total in their careers, I think he fought Jay Miller 14 times. So you knew that no matter what else happened, it wasn't going to be, well, we have this guy that, that we've had for a year or so. Well, now, no, now it's Gore Donnelly and, He's our big, you know, lefty. He's a defenseman, and he can kind of hang with anybody. So it didn't matter if they were going into Boston Garden. It didn't matter if they were going into the Odd uh, or the Mall playing the Whalers, or especially the Forum. Didn't matter. You know, they had Gord Donnelly, gave him some stability to the role. Um, Gord is third in the history of the team in 60 fights, seventh in penalty minutes. I think the interesting, probably, well, maybe not the most interesting, but a lot of people may not realize this. Uh, Gord Donnelly was actually traded for a coach. So the Blues signed Jacques Demare as coach. And uh, I guess they didn't really call it compensation at the time. They called it a trade. So technically on paper, it's a trade. Uh, Quebec got Claude Julien and Gord Donnelly because uh, St. Louis signed Jacques Demare. So uh, that's sort of something you don't really see anymore. Um the, the, like at, I said, look at Joe dropping trivia here tonight. That's I didn't know that. That's good stuff. Look at that. I, I had to make up for my last appearance. I hope I did so far. So, um, well, it hasn't been terrible. No. <laughs> well, no, I'm not saying it's great. It just has to be better than the last time. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. and it's funny you bring up Don. Like, I mean, I knew you were going to have Donnelly at number one. Um, yeah. I can't, you know, and it's one of those things. Like, I mean, I loved Gord Donnelly and whatever, but yeah, I think it's one of those, one of those guys that I think even with fight fans, he is, he's fucking, under, he's underappreciated. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you think about it, right? So people may be listening to this now going, well, there's no way Gord Donnelly should be ahead of Darren Kimball, Chris Simon, and Tony Twist. Now, if we're doing a career thing, well, I think you have an argument. Well, I mean, you have an argument anyway, because really this is just my opinion against anyone else's. But, you know, just talking about time with Quebec, um, I think Donnelly, you know, because of what I said, it kind of gave him some stability. Um, and this is the mid to late 80s where they're going into the forum. Uh, I remember, I think it was, it wasn't a home and home. I think it was, they played, um, they played in Montreal one night. I, I think Quebec played the next night, and then two days later they played, I forget, one night was in, in the Coliseum, and one night was in the Forum, and I remember because they reversed the jerseys. So Quebec wore blue at home, and then they wore white They wore white at the Forum, and they fought Cordic and both games. And it was just like, it was just great because you, you could, I know, you know, the hockey news and the athletic, they want to tell you that people don't like fights, but I remember it was the game in Quebec. Uh, I th- yeah, I think it was the game in Quebec. 
right off the face off it was Cordic and Donnelly and you kind of felt the electricity building like everybody in the rink knew what was going to happen and maybe a season or two before that someone is doing the fighting maybe someone passed their prime for Quebec where now you have a prime you know a young Gord Donnelly and he doesn't mind fighting Cordic and he'll fight Jay Miller every single time they play and it was just you know, like I, I know I've said it a million times already, but he just gave them that stability. And then it, it wasn't just stability because anybody can do that. But then he was he was good at the job and he was a lefty, which also it's conducive to the Rock'em Sock'em type fights because he's going up against mostly righties. So, you know, I, I just think for what what he did, you know, the fights with Cordic, I remember he I remember two fights. He did actually really well against Kevin McClelland, another guy who I think is underappreciated amongst fight fans. I think it's easy because, you know, he played with Marty and Edmonton and Semenko. Um, Kevin McClellan doesn't have to take a backseat to anybody. And Donnelly had a, had a couple of really good fights with him. Uh, I remember an ESPN game where I was watching it and Brian Hayward was playing, playing goal for the Canadians and he came out of the net. You remember this? And oh, Donnelly just railroaded him. From I mean, behind. Yeah. The, oh, the whiplash. Oh. Yes. Yes, yeah. and I remember that game was an ESPN game. It was like it was on everywhere. I remember watching that going. I think he just killed Brian Hayward. Yeah, I mean it was an unbelievable hit. But again, that's you know, and again the kids don't realize it. The the games and this uh, part of the thing when I, when I was doing Chronicles, the cool thing was asking these guys about the Islander Ranger rivalry. And this show will be cool because I'll be able to ask these guys about the Battle of Quebec and and you know. Uh, a little less than that, let's say Montreal Boston's a big rivalry, but, uh, but you know if you're going through the old fight tapes, Quebec Boston had a pretty good rivalry too. But to be able to ask these guys about what it was like, you know, I guess being the little brother to the Canadians, uh, at least in the fans' eyes or the media's eyes, uh, what was that like? And like to get a guy on like Gord Donnelly to talk about this stuff, you know, just be like. Like, what were you thinking when you know you're you're skating down the ice and there's Brian Hayward? I'm gonna kill this guy. Yeah. Like, you could never do that now. No. But again, that's that's what I think he brought to the team. And maybe amongst fight fans, Gord Donnelly doesn't have that cachet or something of a Kimball or a Twist or a Simon. And I think a lot of that might be because he came before them, and maybe some of the people didn't necessarily see him. But for the organization, I think he was per- he was the right guy at the right time. And then, like we mentioned with Kimball, eventually um, Kimball came in and, and uh, did very well against him, and bloodied him at least in one, in one of the fights in the training camps. Quebec is notorious for their training camp fights. They're just vicious. And he uh, came in and basically you know took the job from Donnelly. I think it was Donnelly stayed on the team, and then Kimball went to Halifax, and then eventually I think it was that season where they traded Donnelly uh, to Buffalo, and then they called up Kimball. You know, and the rest, that was it for Donnelly in Quebec. But his stuff in Fredericton, you know, he did very well in Fredericton, put up big numbers there and put up big numbers in Quebec. And, you know, I, I don't, for people our age will understand how important those divisional games were and how violent those divisional games were. And some guys showed up and some guys didn't. And, and the guys we talked about today, these guys always showed up. And, well, that's, you know, well, I was going to yeah. say that that was the big thing I was going to say about Donnelly is mm-hmm. especially back in that real when the Battle of Quebec was, was really the Battle of Quebec and yeah. there was a ton of heat back then those Adams Division games Donnelly was almost the perfect guy because Donnelly was a mean motherfucker 
Oh, yeah. And he, like you said, the, the hit on Hayward was brutal. I mean, mm-hmm. dropping knees on guys is nuts. I mean, yeah. uh-huh. he, he didn't yep. care. And it was like, and he's doing this shit on the road. He was no mm-hmm. homer. He's doing this shit on the road. He didn't care. And it yep. was like, it, and he'd take a stick to you, and it didn't matter. And then he would fight, and he'd fight wide open. And like I said, it's unfortunately, yeah, it's in that era where people didn't see him, especially if you're living in the States. I mean, how, there's not a lot of Quebec Nordique games on TV. So it's like, I think a lot of people missed Donnelly at that time. And then he, well, and then what happened? And then he goes to Winnipeg. Well, I mean, yeah. shit, you'd have a better chance of getting found in the witness reprotect program <laughs> than Winnipeg. And then, and then he's in Buffalo, but which is whatever. But at that time, they got Ray and May and Barnaby and, you know, so he's sort of, you know, he's, you know, Rob Ray's the show in Buffalo at the time and Brad May's the hot new rookie. So Donnelly's, he's in the back seat, right? Still, yeah. I'm not taking anything away, you know, because at that point, he was probably actually the toughest guy on their team, really, because Ray really hadn't come into his own yet, and May was still a rookie. I, and, yeah, shit, actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, Donnelly probably was the toughest guy on their team, but he wasn't, he, he wasn't the flash guy that they were at that point. But, yeah, he, uh, so I think a lot of Donnelly's career, people don't know. And it's like, and if you go back and watch, it's like, Donnelly was awesome. Like, get a, like, get a Gord Donnelly tape. Listen to me. How old am I? Saying that? <laughs> yeah, I'll throw in the beta here. We'll watch some Gord fights. But yeah, if you, again, a lot of the shit's on YouTube now. Not yeah. while some of it's on YouTube. Probably a lot of Donnelly stuff isn't actually. But if you have an opportunity, again, there's another guy to go watch. Cause it's like, yeah, you'll get a whole new appreciation for him. But he's a mean bastard for sure, and he was a and like I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, you could say the Simon kill. Oh, well, they were better. Well, one on one in a fight, yeah, they probably were, maybe. But in that time period for what Quebec needed, Donnelly was the perfect guy, much more so than the other guys. I think, to be completely honest, and uh, yeah, not that they other guys would have done it too, but yeah. I don't. I don't think Kim, Kimball wasn't as mean as Donnelly was. He no, was, he didn't have Simon. I was gonna say but Simon was, but I mean, yeah, yeah he was. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but Kimball wasn't mean like they were. I mean, Kimball was every bit the fighter that they were. But he Donnelly had that mean streak where he didn't give a shit. Like I'm sure he would bite, scratch, eye gouge. Didn't matter if the Battle of Quebec. It's the Battle of Quebec, right? Yeah, and, and, and I, yeah, and I erroneously said he got traded to Buffalo. He did go to Winnipeg and then Buffalo. And yeah, and, and if you think about it, like, so really at the time, so he loses his job to Kimball. Now he goes to Winnipeg and he's got him and the Cronin there. And then he gets traded to Buffalo and you gotta kind of wonder, well, now I'm going to a situation. They got rid of me in Quebec. I would have loved to seen Donnelly and Kimball play together. That would have been great. Um, but now he's on Buffalo and he's got to look and like, well, they got a ton of toughness here. And he, you know, like, as far as pedigree goes, at that point, May and Ray can't touch him. But if you think about it, he's probably, and and this would have to be something that Ray or or May would have to answer, probably a really good mentor for both of them. And because Ray Ray at the time, I mean, listen, I know I, I am not a Rob Ray fan. I have no problem saying that, but I also have no problem saying second half career Rob Ray, 
Excellent. Once you had the whole irony of the Rob Ray rule was when they had to keep the jersey on, he got a hundred times better, which is hilarious. But um, at that point in his career, he was getting beat, and he was getting beat frequently. He was game as hell. But and May was this young upstart, and you you had a veteran like Donnelly, and and it's a shame because you know raised on a raised on a bunch of shows, and I'm sure May has too. I don't think I've ever heard anyone ask them that, but it would be interesting to see what kind of effect that uh, a veteran Donnelly had on those two guys uh, once. Because um, I think Donnelly got there before May was drafted, but then when May made the team, he was there. But Ray was definitely there. And, and it would be interesting to hear um, at that stage in their careers what, what a veteran guy like that could do, especially a guy that's been, that was through the wars. And, you know, because as as tough as the 90s were, and it was tough, the 80s were tough and, and they were dirty, and it was it was vicious. And now you have this guy, lefty, coming in, knows all the tricks. It'd be interesting to hear hear what kind of an impact he had on those guys' careers. Well, yeah, well, that's like the, I think that was the most penalized team of all time. Was that year he was there because they had yeah. him, May, and Ray all had over three hundred minutes of penalties. Yes, the three of them. Mm-hmm. Can you believe three guys with three hundred penalty minutes? And then you throw oh, and they also had Jay Wells on the team too. Like, how yeah. is that? You have Donnelly, Jay Wells, Ray, and May. Like, holy yeah. shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember, yeah, I remember on somebody put together their, the fight tape from that year or whatever, and it was like two tapes. And like, mm-hmm. nobody could believe it back then. They're like, really? You got two tapes out of one team? Like, a one, yeah, and it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, they're the all time most penalized team. Yeah. And it was, and you just think with the Flyers and Broad Street Bullies and all that shit. But here it is, yep. the 90, what is it, the 91, 92 Sabres. 92, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And then it's just like, yeah, they were unbelievable. But yeah, I, I, I never thought about it until we're just doing this right now. Like I said, yeah, he probably was the toughest guy on their team. I never really thought of it that way. But yeah, yeah. him or Jay Wells, really. And it's yeah. like, uh, yeah, oh man. But yeah, Don, I love Gord Donnelly. But uh, yeah, but like I said, under kind of an underappreciated guy and... I said, even with fight fans, and uh, and it, and it's too bad because he shouldn't be. But uh, yeah, no, that was a, that was a, a solid. Uh, well, it was a good list, solid list, and uh, yeah, that was a good number one. I will have to say, I think well, it I had to be though. Like you said, it had to be because like because everyone else wasn't there. Like he was sort of yeah. Like Quebec had a real habit of like one year guys. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, or like you said, they have a really good year, and then they in Halifax the next year. It's like really, I do all this shit, and you send me to the minors the next year. Like holy shit, you know, like they they did that a lot, or they'd give a guy a look for a while, and he'd be doing okay, and then just back to Halifax. It was like you know, and it was like weird, but yeah, it, Donnelly was the one that kind of stuck around. Kim Kimball's three years in Quebec, he never played a full season. He played yeah at least a portion of it in Halifax, and Donnelly's first three years with Quebec were split between Quebec and Fredericton. He didn't become a regular till his fourth year. So it's it's like these guys had to constantly prove themselves and prove themselves. And I think it was I think Basil McRae played a full season. Next season didn't get a sniff. Played a, the year in Fredericton. Like, so I, I couldn't imagine how frustrating that would be. It's got to be crazy. And oh. and like I said, look at and think about it like for Donnelly, uh, look at Donnelly and McRae, especially at the time. And then so now you're in Fredericton and you're, you know, you're watching the games, let's say you watch in Quebec and they don't really have anyone other than maybe an older guy or something like that. And you're like, what am I doing here? Um, 
you know, so I'm, I'm at least happy that they, uh, you know, because then Basil, you know, they traded Basil, he went away, and uh, at least with Donnelly, they, you know, after the three years where he was up and down, they at least gave him, you know, the job for three years. So, uh, so it was it was good for us fight fans. Absolutely, I always forget Basil was on Quebec. You know, who's another guy that I always forget played for the Nordiques. Who? Tim Hunter. Oh yeah, for that short period of time, number sixty-five. Yeah, completely forget every time. Yeah, but I'll be scrolling like through my picture file, and I go through the Hunter one, and they, I got the Nordique picture of him. I'm like, oh yeah, it's already played in Quebec. <laughs> Completely forgot. Yeah, yeah, that would be an interesting interview if I got Tim Hunter on the show. It would be 98 percent not Quebec, and then we'll talk about the five fights you had with Quebec. So yeah, yeah, uh, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know he played in Quebec. I don't know if that'd be the right. greatest interview on the Nordique show, but right, yeah. exactly. Like it would be cool to have Tim Hunter on the show. But you'd have to be like four and a half hours in before we get to Quebec. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well, well, there we yeah. go. There's Joel Lazito's five uh, top five Nordique fighters. And uh, well, man, I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna keep you long because I know it's like super late there. But uh, and we've gone for an hour and forty five minutes. So I think we've, as I said, I think we've made the point. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm definitely gonna have you back on. And because I've always like having you on anyway, but yeah, I mean, we'll, I mean, there's a million subjects I can talk to you about that we'll get you on for different, different shows, but, um, I've got to get you on a round table show. I haven't had John here for a round table show yet. No, it's uh, you, you know, I feel, uh, I listen to all the round tables and I'm like, where, what did I do? I don't get a chance at this stuff. So, uh, wow. no, I, those are all, those, I, I'm only kidding. The round tables are fun. I'd love to do it. So, you know, I always told you I'm always available for it. I know, I know. Wow, but you know those other two I got to get on, right? It's kind of like know. it's kind of like my charity thing, uh, you know. <laughs> a, I, I, I'm a char- I'm a charitable motherfucker, Joe, and I it's like I know. I you know, know, and it's like I I sort of get you know I get tax breaks if I get those guys on the show. So oh, I, I see. Yep, yeah. Plus you get to what is it? Bush is that Bush Apple or something? Oh, you that, that y'all. Oh, yeah, I'd rather stay sober than drink that stuff. I mean, yeah, Bush Apple. This is where we are. Yeah, Bush Apple. Like somebody said, you don't you don't need to drink it, but he does. Yeah, and he's got the he's got the Bush beer mirror up in his in his office, air quote office, classy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Jay's a is a, a a bourbon guy like me. I think, or at least he's a whiskey guy. I think so. You know, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's a well. He's like tries to keep it classy. He's like he he's the hard alcohol guy, but then when it comes to beer, he's a craft beer guy. Yeah. No, don't. Uh, you just ruined it. Well, oh, well, that's just an artsy way of saying you're an alcoholic. I think these craft <laughs> beer guys. Yo, know, yeah, he's into that whole nutmeg ale and all oh, that shit. And I don't know. I don't know. Oh, he, I, he's yeah, he's the long beard and stuff. He's a little hippie, I think. Yeah. Oh fuck it, the hippie beers. Give me a break. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, but any listen any round. I'm happy to come on any. Well, I'll tell you the one round table. Don't get me on the Quebec League round table because uh, I unfortunately can't hold my own with any of you guys in that that uh, that round table. But anything else, uh, I'm happy to come on. That's interesting. You never got into the Quebec League, did you? I, I wasn't against it. I, I will tell you the the two reasons why. It's not that I didn't get into it. I would get the DVDs or I would get the tapes. I never got a list and everything was in French. So it was kind of like I'm watching it and I know the, the guy, you know, like the boss and the, like, I love Joel Terrio. So I know the bigger names, 
But I always wanted to watch. I always wanted to know who else I was watching, and it would frustrate me. Aside from the absolutely atrocious club music they would play during the fights, <laughs> um, so I'd have the tapes and I'd put it on for you know fifteen twenty minutes. Fights were great, but I I like to know who I'm watching. And if it wasn't Basse or Terrio or, or, or the bigger names, I wouldn't know. I just wouldn't know. So I, I loved it. I loved the league. But, I mean, you may as well have me on for NBA talk if you want on the Quebec. That's why I like when you do stuff like that with other people because I always learn stuff. I mean, you know, the good thing is then people make the compilations and, you know, you have a Morasti compilation or Terrio, Bosse, uh, those guys. You can just watch it and you at least know one of the guys you're watching. But um, but that's it. It wasn't that I was against it. It would just be frustrating because every time I get a tape, there was never a list. So I'm like, all right, who am I watching here? Yeah, but, one thing when it got into the 2000s and stuff, whatever but i can remember getting a few like 96 97 quebec senior league and yeah. it's like and it's in some dimly lit rink in sherbrooke right and it looks like i'm like what is this senior hockey like i like what what am i watching here and it's like every second guy's name is grenier you know grenier versus whatever desmarot mm-hmm. every third fight and it's oh yeah it's a bunch of guys with net guards that can't stand up and it's like what is this but they're, yeah. they're they seem to be passionate about it. There's a lot of they're they're trying, but uh, but yeah, once it kind of moved into that early to mid two thousands, then it just be, you know Bossy Morasti and all of them showed up in yeah. Terrio. And I mean, you yeah. started getting all the you know the East Coast League guys, Central like these guys all had what do you whatever I don't know, credibility is probably the wrong word, but they all they had all played pro and now they're just coming back to Quebec. And I mean, you had established heavyweight fighters from other minor yeah. leagues. Oh yeah. All coming like Sugden and Burnell and all them. So then it was like, holy shit. You know, and then that's when I really got into it. But yeah, those first like you said, I agree with you the first couple of years though, the old QSPHL uh yeah. ninety seven, ninety eight volume six <laughs> tape that you'd get was a right. little 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 tough. A little tough to watch. But uh the thing about that league I wish and it and it could never happen because I would love, love for someone to do either a documentary or like a tell-all book because the the stuff – and you know a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, like stuff I don't know. If there was ever a way to get those stories – I mean people would get killed. But that – the backstories behind the stuff in that league I think would make people's heads spin and it wouldn't – people wouldn't believe half the stuff. But that would be incredible to get like a – and again, not to expose anybody, but just the stories are phenomenal. Oh, and and yeah. if if you get that in a documentary form, um, you know, like Netflix could do a ten part documentary on that, it'd be amazing. Or like a, a book, I would read that in a heartbeat because I think that would be an unbelievable documentary, an unbelievable book. Just as much as it was entertaining on the ice, the off the ice stuff would be off the charts. So that's something I wish would happen. But yeah, that's why it wasn't that I was against it. I loved watching the fights, but after a while, it's like I, I don't know who I'm watching here. So I and I just just turn it off and I'd never go back to it. And they just sat there collecting dust. But I hear you. Uh, I hear you. But oh yeah. yeah, like the documentary. Well, as good as that Laval Chiefs documentary was, do that, but do the whole league. And I mean, yeah, and I mean, and here folks, I'm going to, well, yeah, I'm not being coy here, but I have, I do have a little bit of news as Joe sort of reminded me of this. There is a book about the Quebec League being talked about. Oh, is that right? I'm not going to say who, but I have 
I have been told by a very good source that uh, it is being worked on. So we'll see. We'll see. It hasn't been greenlighted by some massive publishing company or anything like that. But I just know the dude's putting stuff to paper and we'll see what happens. But it is well, about the Quebec is it, League. Is it an ex-player or someone else? It's an ex-player. Okay, because I, I had an idea who I thought it might be, but he wasn't a player. No, it's an ex-player. We with, both know with, with, we the, both with know. the help of a few guys, but yes, right. yeah. I thought it was uh, I thought it was our mutual friend, the one who uh, John's former agent, Eric. I thought that might have been him. No, and I and oh yeah, I won't even know. But he could he filmed so much good stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. He could have now. There is a documentary. He could have made it. Well, that's why he was filming everything. It was actually going to yep. be for a documentary. And then mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know the whole story there, but yeah, unfortunately, I always hope Eric is out there listening. I don't think he is, but yeah. I hope he is. I, I had many great conversations with him over yeah. the, over the years, and he was a really good guy. He came mm-hmm. to Saskatoon a few times, obviously, to go on to Metal Lake to hang out with John. But I hung yeah. out with him here. We have supper, and mm-hmm. uh, oh, he's a really great guy, and I hope he's doing well. And I really hope he listens to the show. I know yeah. he hates hockey now, and there's. <laughs> I'm not going to expose his business, and that was a whole deal there. But I mean, um, yeah, I miss talking to him. He was a good dude. I miss my friend. Yeah, he was a good guy. But yep. uh, Eric, if you're listening, seriously, man, pick up the phone. My number hasn't changed. But uh, but yes, uh, well, there we go, man. Well, that uh, we're almost at the two hour mark. So I I will uh, I'll let you go because I'm sure your house is just trying to sleep or asleep. I know my wife already, my wife sent me a text about a half an hour ago and all it says is shit. You guys are like two old ladies. That's all she put. <laughs> yeah. So and she's right. So I'm downstairs. I'm, I'm in the basement. So, so everyone else is upstairs probably sleeping. So, uh, so I'll probably, I'll probably end up sleeping on the couch down here because I'm sure the dog took up my spot in the bed. So I'll probably end up just shutting this off, taking a piss and then, uh, well, I'd say go to sleep, but I'm sure I'm going to put the TV on. I'm sure Seinfeld's on some uh, some channel. Oh, guaranteed. That's what I'll be doing, too. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> anyway, Joe, I appreciate you coming on, man. I really do. Oh, anytime, dude. I love it. I love chatting with you. Excellent. Well, there we go, folks. Joe Lazito. Until next time. Thanks, man. Thank you. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 